Hi, I'm Eric, also known as v 47 from the Ranger Command Power Hour and the Starfleet Escape Podcast. You're listening to another great Four-Eyed Radio product. For more shows, check out foureyedradio.com. It's morphin' time! Hey, amazing friends. Heads up, in this episode where we discuss the finale, we also talk about gaslighting, which I know for a lot of folks could be uh, not something you necessarily want to hear when you're expecting to talk about cartoons. Uh, so if this episode isn't for you or if you want to spend some time preparing uh, ahead of time to to go through that conversation, totally cool. I'll also timestamp it for you. Wallop and web snappers. My spider sense is tingling. 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 Anybody else's spider sense tingling? Welcome to Walloping Web Snappers, a Spider-Man podcast where we dive into every Spider-Man cartoon ever made. I'm Doug. And I'm Derek. And is your spider sense tingling? Uh-huh, and crowd control it is. <laughs> Oh boy! To listen to this show, find us on foureyedradio.com and wherever you get your podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Revenge Lover Designs, illustration and design that fit your personality. For samples and inquiries, visit revengelover.com. And of course, we would like to take a quick moment to thank our spectacular tier patrons, Bo, Carl, Eric, Katie, and Simon. If you'd like to become a patron, check us out on patreon.com slash wallopingwebsnappers. Yes, please do. We've made it, Derek, to the yeah. season finale. Finale, yes. Yeah. It's and it's a weird. doozy. It's weird. Yeah. <laughs> God, the season is so long. <laughs> is it literally the longest season of television we've covered? That we've covered for sure. Okay. Yeah. It well, does feel like yes. it. And I don't mean that as an insult. I just mean like it feels like we have been talking about the first season for a very long time. Part of that is because we split it over the course of two years. Yeah. But it just feels like a long season. Yeah. It definitely, I mean, that we've, and that we finished, I guess like, I think the 81 show, because it's only one season of like, I don't know. I don't remember. I think that might be 26 episodes, but like, it's weird because that's, we weren't covering a whole season of it. Right. So like that ends up being the entire series in retrospect. (laughs) Yeah. So it's a little different. Yeah. And every other season I can, every show that I can think of, even like the sixties show, it's only 20 episodes in that first season. So like, yeah, I think this is, and probably will, will remain like the longest single season of a multi-season show (laughs) that we've ever covered, especially covering it in a big chunks, you know, Mm -hmm. even splitting it up. It's been pretty hefty. So, yeah. So this episode's kind of doing a lot by by coming full circle and wrapping up every dangling thread pretty much. Mm-hmm. It's definitely a doozy. Yep, yeah, that's that's for sure. <laughs> I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to talk about this one because uh, it really does culminate uh-huh. or a lot of things culminate here, which is great. Yeah, 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 for sure. So this episode we're talking about Spider-Man 2017 show season one, episode 25 entitled Hobgoblin part two. The synopsis per IMDb is Spider-Man must find a way to stop Hobgoblin, who is completely bent on destroying Spider-Man, whatever it takes. Oh, that's weird. That's not where we left off, was it? I thought they they were friends. (laughs) The original air date was the same day as part one, February 18th, 2018. Love that. 
written by Kevin Shinnick, directed by Sol Choi. We're familiar with them. And I think worth noting, too, I, maybe we'll talk about it more when we get to the second season of the show. Kevin Shinnick, you know, he was the story editor and I think for all intents and purposes, the showrunner of the season. This is his last episode. He doesn't return oh, for the future of the show. Interesting. So, that yes. is good to know. Yeah. So I am very curious of like what the show looks like in season two, you know, if it's any different, cause you know, I have hmm. to wonder, you know, uh, he's, he, all the quotes about this show being back to basics and about Peter's love of science that I feel like do not apply by the time you get to the end of the season. All of those quotes came from Shinnick himself. So I sort of wonder if, you know, Maybe that's I, I I don't know I haven't looked into it further I have I've I've yet to find any quotes from him about why he left or, or you know if it was you know if it was just a natural thing like those sometimes they just decide to leave because they don't feel like working on it anymore it's entirely possible I don't know if if you know maybe the the change the change in this show didn't match up with what his vision was and that's why he left I don't know we'll see but. This this for all intents and purposes is sort of like the last hurrah wow. of of him as a, as a showrunner on this show. That is fascinating. I really mm-hmm. look forward then to mm-hmm. season two to see what 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 feels different, if anything. Yeah, if anything, yeah, it's entirely yeah, possible that it doesn't because I think there's plenty of other people who do carry over. So I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. We'll check back with us in I don't know, like a year or something. When we get to <laughs> I the know, right? Season. Yeah, <laughs> we're gonna need a break. Okay, yeah, <laughs> a yeah. lot happens here. Yeah. <laughs> Also, side note, mm-hmm. I don't know if you heard this, the ice cube in my glass just exploded. Oh, wow. And it no, scared the that. shit out of me. I like literally like jumped backwards because I was like, what is happening? That's so funny. Weird. <laughs> I hope the mic picked it up, actually. That would be really funny. Yeah, if it did, keep all this in. <laughs> <laughs> so there are not new characters here um okay. because we know we know every we know all the players this is a part two it's um, the season the finale. finale it would be wild yeah. to introduce i mean unless at the very last minute they introduce something to like lead us into the next season or something but that's not what they do yeah. i do however want to take this opportunity to get on a little soapbox i did okay. not tell you derek that i was going to bring this up but i think you will be with me on this okay but because i didn't tell you i was doing this challenge me if necessary okay i have a pet peeve okay. that i believe you share Okay. And that is, this is going to seem unrelated, but it, it'll make sense. Okay. I have a big pet peeve of people misusing the term gaslight. Oh, yeah. Um, yes. Yeah, yes. Huge, uh, 100%. huge, That's huge pet peeve. Big thing. That's yes. beyond pet peeve for me. I think right. it's like yes. literally damaging to society uh, yes. and, 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 and many of our experiences for people who have dealt with actual legitimate right. gaslighting in their lives. It's really, if- it's really shitty. It's really shitty, and, and right. I'm, I'm pet peeve does not do justice how annoyed I get with this. But the reason I bring it up is because I think that it is a, it is a fight that I have I have taken on to try to 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 tell people why it's dangerous to misuse it and what it actually is in the event that people are misusing it because they don't know. Okay, I bring it up here because I actually think that this cartoon aimed at children about superheroes does a pretty decent job of showing or could do a pretty decent job of showing people what gaslighting actually entails as opposed yeah. to what it doesn't. So if po- yeah. if folks don't know, and we'll revisit at least at the very end of the episode, but probably along the way, sure. because this episode deals with spoilers. If you haven't watched the episode yet, I don't know why you're listening to the f- podcast about the finale of the season. If you haven't watched it, but yeah. I know there are some of you. So spoilers ahead. Yeah. Um, this episode deals pretty greatly with Norman Osborne gaslighting his son. Mm-hmm. Gaslighting is like an ongoing 
abusive manipulation of a person with the goal of like breaking their trust in their own ability to perceive reality so that you can control them. It also involves alienation uh, from other people. And the end goal is that the person you are gaslighting has no choice but to rely solely on you because you have made them, if you are the gaslighter, uh, feel and appear, for lack of a better term, crazy to everyone else, right? Yeah. It's incredibly insidious. And the reason I bring this up is because I think this show includes a lot of those behaviors. Mm -hmm. And so somebody watching this show and this episode could sit there and be like, oh, shit. It seems weird that Doug's bringing this up because this is like a cartoon supervillain type character. That's how insidious gaslighting is. So I I, I feel like it's a good opportunity uh, to point out that like gaslighting is not just like lying to your friend. (laughs) Gaslight is not like trying to manipulate somebody in a game that you both agreed to play. Gaslighting is not like a cute term for like a debate. Gaslighting is not trying to persuade something of somebody that you are on equal footing of. It is an ongoing manipulative tactic to alienate and control somebody by making them feel like they've lost their grip on reality. And that is what happens in this episode. So we will track it as it is happening uh, and probably revisit to maybe assess whether I am, you know, appropriately assigning the term here. Oh yeah. No, I, 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 (laughs) I think so. I think you're good. I feel like Um, when we have a platform with great power comes great responsibility, Derek. And I feel like, you know, we don't have a massive following, but we know how many of you there are. Mm-hmm. And if, if 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 one person walks away being like, oh, shit, I didn't realize that's how serious gaslighting was. I'm going to stop using that as a meme. Yeah. Then yeah. I've done my job. Yeah. One time, I uh, my the worst instance I've literally ever read, I think, of, of how someone misuses gaslighting was someone referring to how the showrunners of Superman and Lois were gaslighting their audience by making them, by not revealing that it was a separate continuity from the Arrowverse. Nope. Not gaslighting. Retconning is not gaslighting. Reveals are not gaslighting. (laughs) Story beats uh, are not gaslighting. Narrative devices are not gaslighting. Like that's not, none of that is gaslighting. (laughs) It's a really, truly insidious form of abuse that requires a power dynamic. And uh, it's really bad. (laughs) And the more we memify it, uh, the harder it is for people who are actually being gaslit in a relationship to express that uh, and get help. Yeah. Once something just kind of becomes a, you know, just like a, just like a buzz, a buzzword essentially, then like it kind of loses its power as a, as a thing you can, you know, as a way to define what you're going through. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So yeah, I, I'm glad you brought that up. I have a lot of strong feelings about that that I'm kind of not. Uh, I figured you would talk about. <laughs> you so. would share my feelings. Yeah, yeah. No, um, I think I think this is a good one though because it is it is this is an interesting um, example. You know, obviously, kind of you know boiled down into one episode of television, right? So like it's all it's a lot of broad stroke stuff, but like I think that that is I think that that's definitely a part of it. I think it's I think it's enough of a part of it to even like call out as a content warning for someone who maybe doesn't want to who wants to avoid stuff about that. Like it, it I think that is very strongly here for yeah. sure. So, with that said, uh and with that sort of primer to track maybe some of Norman's behavior throughout this, uh I guess we can dive in. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. This episode opens with Spider-Man and Hobgoblin swinging and gliding around the city together as friends, but with secret identities, uh, and chasing down the Sinister Five, who we saw last week uh, had sort of dispersed in trying to uh, trying to get back at Doc Ock for mind-controlling them for potentially weeks. 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot. <laughs> so but apparently they've done a lot of work off screen too. <laughs> yes, because they confirm uh they being Spider-Man and Hobgoblin confirm that they have already stopped Vulture, Steel Spider and Spider Slayer together. Little disappointed we don't get to see more Steel Spider, but that's okay. You can only accomplish so much in one episode. <laughs> sure. There's plenty already being done here, so. Yes. That's all right. Yes. And leaving Rhino and Doc Ock makes sense because Rhino is probably somebody that they don't have to spend tons and tons of time tackling, formidable as he is. And obviously Doc Ock is going to be their ultimate goal here. So it makes Mm -hmm. sense the folks that they have chosen. We've gotten plenty of Vulture and Spider Slayer. We don't need more of them. For sure. sure. I I get it. Hopefully, maybe we see Steel Spider again, if only because his action sequences are dope as fuck. Very cool. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So Spider-Man gets a ping on his police scanner uh, that he's tapping into that Rhino is rampaging in uptown Manhattan. So they set off to stop uh, Rhino. They do. And they find Rhino terrorizing folks at a park. Remind themselves like, hey, Rhino is one of their friends. So we shouldn't, you know, it is Alexi, you know, he's, he's kind of doing this potentially against his will. Um, we don't really know. I don't know how, how he's Rhino again or whatever, but you know, th- th- they shouldn't try to hurt him. So they aim to not hurt him, huh. you know, kind of huh. like how you wouldn't be hurting him by having an entire train smash into him. Huh? Interesting that they choose the last episode of the season, a season that features spider monsters and students who turn into villains or are manipulated into being villains they choose the last episode to finally acknowledge maybe we shouldn't hurt our friends who are also villains. <laughs> yeah, I guess Peter's finally learned a lesson. He's finally learned that. <laughs> he learned something this season. Well, he learned it from Harry, I guess, because Harry didn't, you know, beat the shit out of him when he found out Spider-Man was being mind controlled. <laughs> oh shit. Whoa, that's how oh you can be nice to people. Wow, okay. Huh. Huh. <laughs> I just like that Harry's the only one who ever like came to that conclusion naturally, considering like Anya drop kicked her best friend, Peter beats up, you know, Alexi on multiple occasions. Yeah, hits him with a train, literally <laughs> has a train, train run into him. <laughs> yep. Uh, punches uh ali osnick directly in the face <laughs> yep they got there though good for they them. did finally yeah we'll see if it carries over into the next season <laughs> they begin what they call the web glider takedown spider-man dances a bunch i don't know it's stupid and weird <laughs> <laughs> i laughed but it is stupid and weird i laughed only because the animation is funny um, yeah it would be fun it would be it would be silly out of context you know Sure. Uh, but it doesn't really make any sense. I don't <laughs> understand what they're I doing. Distracting, distracting him? him? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Whatever. They're trying to be funny. And I'm like, I guess go shoot your shot. I guess I can't say that it is funny, but whatever. <laughs> but before they can execute this, you know, incredibly in-depth, complicated takedown, uh, Hobgoblin just passes out, falls right off of his glider. Uh, and Spidey catches him in a web net. Uh, turns his attention to distracting Rhino to protect Hobgoblin. And it works long enough for Hobgoblin to wake up and electrocute Rhino with his new finger blaster. Yeah. Lots to talk about in that one sequence, but I love anytime a goblin has his finger guns. I love his laser finger guns. Yes, yes, I know. I love that too. I'm so glad anytime they incorporate that because mm-hmm. it's such a like classic goblin thing that like in big, huge air quotes, 
isn't cool, but it's yeah. cool as fuck. It's stupid that no movies has, have ever had laser. I know. Guns. I think it's ridiculous. <laughs> Even just an homage that. to it. Even just like yeah. somebody, like a, a goblin using their finger to like electrocute somebody on contact. Like that would be enough. I mean, I would like more, but enough for me to be like, mm-hmm. they they're acknowledging it. <laughs> yeah. Love it. Love it. Love it. But yeah, I mean, obviously there's still something up with Harry given that he just passes out in the middle of a fight. So yeah. that's worth worrying about. So Spider-Man encourages Harry to rest before they pursue Doc Ock because Harry, of course, just passed out in mid-fight. And Harry's like, yeah, I mean, okay, yes, definitely, I should do that. But don't worry about it. It's just the fact that, like, we're superheroing a bunch. I'm not used to this strenuous superhero schedule. So don't worry about it. I'll just go take a nap. (laughs) Sure. And Spider-Man's like, I mean, I guess, but also doctors are good. (laughs) So I'm on the side of Spider-Man here constantly being like, also see a doctor maybe. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, Osborne's in their blackouts, man. (laughs) I know. I know this episode does a lot of, I think we referenced this last week, does a lot of things that pull from various, um, either specific or like traditional, like goblin like story experiences and it's really fun to sort of be like oh interesting this reminds me of that oh interesting this like this recalls that or oh this calls to mind this thing Uh it's a really fun episode for like goblin heads i guess yeah yeah i would say so for sure for sure it's neat it's neat Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it is worth noting that peter has encouraged harry to go to a doctor before so the fact that he's still struggling and Peter is reminding him again means that Harry has specifically not gone to a doctor yet. I just think it's worth noting because it'll come up again. <laughs> oh, yeah. And it comes up in a kind of cool way, actually. But we'll get to it when we get to it, I suppose. Mm-hmm. So they fist bump again, which is always cute to see. And they go their separate ways. This kind of indicates that they're like on pretty good footing with each other, which, again, I would not have expected for this series. I really fully thought, based on every Goblin story we've ever gotten that involves Harry, uh-huh. that this season would have ended with them never talking to each other again. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, but I like the story they're telling, so I'm not mad at the back and forth in this very moment. Absolutely. We've talked about it as a general thing, but right now I'm okay with it. For sure. For sure. So Harry goes to rest. Um, He does go back to Oscorp Tower, Osborne Tower or whatever, and lies to Norman about where he's been. So he says, I'm tired. I'm going to take a nap. Norman says, what have you been up to? And he just says, oh, hanging out with Pete. So I guess he's not technically lying, but he's not letting him know that he's hanging out with Spider-Man or that he's like doing Hobgoblin hero shit. Yeah. And then Peter goes his separate way to an award ceremony that he almost completely forgot at Horizon (laughs) Academy or Horizon High because he thought it was Sunday and it is in fact Monday. So yeah, Peter continuing to be incredibly bad at being at school. (laughs) Yep. 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 Um, Real quick. Uh, since this is the first time we see Norman in this episode, uh, one thing I, I, I kind of neglected to mention, I think last week was circling back to the stealth spider conversation that we were having at the end of spider. Island. Oh yeah. Yeah. Cause nothing, I, I swear, I really thought there was something about referencing Norman being mind controlled and I don't now upon rewatch, I think I really did make that up. They don't reference Norman having been mind controlled or anything at all. Do they in, the, in either of these episodes? No, I don't think they do. Um, and it would have been a step in the right direction, but even still, if they did, I think we would have some of the mm-hmm. same criticisms. Cause it still doesn't fully make sense from Jackal's perspective. It would just at the very least absolve Norman of a bad plan, mm-hmm. you know, but, but I think it's, but still- yeah, I don't think they mention it. 
it's think it's still like that's the only because it is confirmed in this episode that Norman does not know Peter Parker is Spider Man, so I feel like maybe that's right. why I made that connection. So I feel like he has to have been mind controlled by Jackal with the Stealth Spider stuff because otherwise, through stealing the Stealth Spider suit from Peter Parker in that alley, he would have known who who Peter is. Like, yeah. or he would have yeah. known Peter as Spider-Man and he doesn't have any clue. He doesn't even have the dots connected that Peter builds tech for Spider-Man, which I could have like maybe found some way to rationalize that. But he has no connection between Peter and Spider-Man in this episode. So he couldn't have known that, which means that he couldn't have been in his right mind as the cell spider. No, I buy that. I think it makes a lot of sense. I, I would subscribe to that theory because it makes it at least makes the Norman side of things make sense. There's still yeah. a lot to reconcile with yeah. the Jackal side of things. Absolutely. But if you imagine <laughs> the fact where Norman is blown up in the Jackal's lab, I mean, Jackal has first dibs on that situation. Mm-hmm. So like, it's totally reasonable to believe that he just immediately slapped a, a mind control chip on there. And from the moment that happens to I guess whenever we got to the point where we started talking about this yeah uh, Norman was under a mind control uh, yeah. situation yeah yeah I just want to bring it up because other I didn't want because uh, there's not really any other time to bring it up because I otherwise it's not mentioned or anything that really yep. is just a legitimate classic actual plot hole <laughs> <laughs> I know right it's so it's so it's such a like um bad habit of people to call things plot holes that yeah. aren't plot holes. Hey yeah. everybody, here's an actual plot hole. <laughs> yeah. It really that really is something that genuinely does not make any sense without tons of like fanfic yeah. writing around it to explain how it makes any sense. I would read that fanfic though. That would be a really yeah. good one. If only mm-hmm. because I'm very curious, but also it would be really interesting. Yeah. Anyway, back to this award ceremony. Uh, Anya receives like an absurd amount of awards the whole time and she even gets perfect <laughs> attendance. And I'm like, perfect attendance at school. You have missed them for plenty of episodes though. So not perfect attendance from, for this show. I know, well, I guess that explains it, right? She could never <laughs> be out and about to help them because she refused to not be at school. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I guess so. They also uh, make a perfect attendance joke that I guffawed at. I thought it was very funny. <laughs> oh yeah. Cause Peter shows up. Cause basically Max is in the middle of like announcing and the award for perfect attendance is, and then Peter shows shows up late immediately and he just says not you peter (laughs) and then the crowd laughs like everybody knows that peter sucks at being on time and being at school (laughs) and it's not like in a way where it's like humiliating to peter or anything like that it's just like no this is a collect this he's laughing with them it's just sort of like yeah of course i wouldn't get perfect attendance we all know that yeah i really like that i think it's very funny yeah yeah (laughs) I just love the idea of like closing the loop of, of this being the last day of school officially yeah. too. It's really fun, really fun setting to yeah. again, make this, make this feel like a closed book on the season, like coming full circle. Call. Yeah. But yeah, uh, other Gwen and miles are also there. They receive at least one award each. <laughs> uh, Peter wishes that he'd won an award and miles gives him. It's so cute. They like, he like made an actual, like, you know, handmade little award out of cardboard and stuff. That's the most likely to miss an award ceremony award. It's adorable. I love it. It's very cute. You can it's see the cute. tape on it and everything. I love yeah. it. Yeah. And it's like, of course, Miles would make that for him because he knows yeah. that Peter is missing all of this, you know, missing all this for being Spider-Man. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. So I, I love that he gives them that little little win. Um, Max meets up with the student, but just as he does, before he can really do anything, he receives word that someone has broken into Otto Octavius's old lab. Who would be interested in breaking into Otto Octavius's old lab? Gee, who could say? 
Guess what? When they investigate, they find Otto Octavius himself breaking into his old lab. Oh, wow. I love that. He, I love that. He's just like, oh, I only came here because I thought you'd be at that award ceremony for another hour. But wow. I guess it was quick. Yeah. Yeah. They, they greatly streamlined it since Doc Ock uh, left. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> so they do find Doc Ock, uh, you know, ransacking his own lab. And uh, they decide, and we reference that I think that we would talk about oh, this. Oh, hold on. Before we even get to this part, though, uh-huh. I think it's very important to note that Peter sees this. He sees Doc Ock wrecking a lab. Okay, yeah. So his first instinct is to pick up his phone, call Harry Osborne to come oh, yeah, help yeah. him as Hobgoblin. While Miles is standing, Miles, the other Spider-Man who has worked with him and worked with Ock and who knows Ock pretty intimately at this point <laughs> is standing literally right behind him while Peter is like, Hey, other superhero, I think we need an old fashioned superhero team up. You should come over here and help me with Ock right now. And Miles, the other Spider Man, is just like sitting there waiting for Peter to get off the phone. <laughs> if, if, if it weren't for the fact that this entire series has largely ignored Miles, I would totally get it. It's a thing he's been doing with his friend to like to like repair the relationship, all that sort of stuff. But this series has consistently <laughs> it's so established funny. that Peter does not call the one other superhero he knows to help him with anything. In fact, in this very episode, frequently sidelines that that superhero (laughs) for more menial tasks but he does call harry (laughs) who he sent to bed (laughs) who he specifically sent to bed to rest i can understand the compulsion to not want to leave harry out their relationship is rocky right now but dude dude villain is in front of you (laughs) miles is right behind you right there and it's not like peter had already been talking to miles it's not like peter even immediately turns to miles miles then has to ask peter directly then miles is like yeah hey so um what do you want me to do boss what's going on i'm right here i (laughs) want so badly for there to be a future episode about this because one it would make me feel a little bit better about everything they've done this season so let's pray for that but also i just I don't want Miles to constantly be asking permission to do things it's from so Peter. Stupid. He doesn't just need to do something. Like man. I get it at the beginning. I get it when you're mentors. But at this point, Anya has used superpowers to to save people. Gwen has used superpowers to save people. We've seen Miles come in and out, not as much as we'd like to, but mm-hmm. come in and out and make choices on his own as a superhero and at best at best you can assume that any episode that he's not in it's because he's doing his own spider-man thing in another part of town you can right they they make no that no mention of that potentially happening we only ever see him with peter as spider-man they are from different boroughs so it's it's like easy to buy right that they they might not actually hang out when they're at home um so it makes sense but i would not be mad in fact i would very much appreciate an episode where finally Miles realizes, like, I don't need permission from Peter. I don't need it to be a blowout argument or anything, but just the type of thing that both Gwen and Anya enforced for themselves, which is you don't actually get to decide how I use my abilities. I don't need it to be confrontational, but I would love to see even just, like, a moment where Miles, like, comes into his own and, like, Mm -hmm. finds the confidence in himself to not ask permission you know, I, I appreciate that they're giving all four spider characters like a different personality and stuff, but I just don't think it needs to come at the cost of Miles having like no agency when Peter is on the scene. 
<laughs> yeah, it, it really is. I mean, I know we were like, I don't know. I think this last Spider Island episode, it's sort of like Miles isn't a spy, a sidekick. He could, she shouldn't be Kid Arachnid, but like he sure treated like one in this episode. Yeah, in an episode like this, he is very much treated like a sidekick. And like, I understand that this episode is more about Peter and Harry's relationship. So like, Miles just uh, any any other character is going to kind of get in the way of that. The but more they focus created they get. the situation, but, they created yeah. this. <laughs> yeah. And and there's better ways to have Miles to give something Miles to do that isn't Peter demanding that he just go off screen and do menial tasks. So, you know, <laughs> they at least and I'm not saying this is good on the part of the writers like they could be doing better, but at least from a narrative standpoint, they they try to soften it by always having Miles ask instead of Peter just direct, you know? Yeah. So it's, it's usually Miles being like, hey, do you want me here or there? Or can I help you here? Or should I be doing yeah. this other thing instead? So at the very least, they they give you sort of the impression that Miles has agency and he could make a decision yeah. on his own, which opens the door for that episode I'm hoping we get. Sure. Um, but it really still does always default to whatever Peter says Miles will do. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like in this case, I don't remember. Miles is sort of like, do you, do you want me to fight with you or, or, or crowd control? And Peter's like, crowd control. And Miles is like, crowd control it is. And I'm just like, I was laughing when that happened. And I'm like, it's cute, yeah, but it's also just, annoying. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, no, I'm sorry. I know. Like, first of all, you've got Max, Gwen and Anya who are all very capable. They can handle fucking crowd control without being superheroes. Anya may or may not have spider powers. This episode avoids that completely. I'm so frustrated. I, I will say they at least give her <laughs> some stuff it. to it's do. It's a lot to tackle, they but at I'm least, still like, I they, need to know. They at least give her some stuff to do that so that she can contribute without yeah. needing to use spider power. So they're able to yes, keep it vague yeah. enough so that like you don't know. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But, but it's sort of like, they can, you don't need spider powers to do crowd control. All miles does. All we see him do for the quote unquote crowd control is go over to max and say, Hey max, we need to get these people out of here. And like, yeah. that's it. That's all we see of that. I know. So it's like, no, I think that having two spider people fighting the very powerful and formidable doc Ock makes the most sense. <laughs> like, okay. <sighs> he has four fucking mechanical arms. Like the least you can do is have two people. Like, yeah. honestly, Anya should be jumping in, too. Yeah, and, and Miles <laughs> if has, she has his, powers still. Miles has his uh his his venom, his venom powers, right? Oh like, her venom, venom That's blast. Thing. He could just knock Ock out. Like, come on. Miles, that, it's, it's okay. I know we're, like, digging deep. We're getting into, like, the nerdy nitpicking side of things. Oh, this but, is like, the last episode of the season, man. We're going for it. We're going yeah, full board. All this in. One. All in. We're not going to talk about this show for probably a year. So, like, let's yeah. do this. It's so annoying to me. Miles has a completely additional set not a different set additional set of powers he can do everything peter can do and more and peter who is constantly being asked about like being asked to direct miles completely disregards those things even having seen how miles can use them to help him remember yeah. in the episode where they were like breaking out of prison and miles like uses his powers to help them get get away yeah. when Peter gets caught. Like that's the shit you should be doing. Doc Ock, I don't think has ever really come up against miles powers. No. So like you have the opportunity to use them, Peter, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You let, let miles actually go invisible for once. For the power real. that he uses maybe like twice has in this he, entire show. He did it in the Craven episode for sure, because we mm. were being introduced to his power set. And then he did it in that episode where they were breaking out of prison. I don't think has he's done he, it since then. 
Which, which is he, wild. Uh, there was one instance where he could have where I was willing to write it off because yeah. he had been knocked unconscious for two days or whatever. Mm-hmm. But like, come, it's like, I understand you've given yourself a situation where you almost have like an OP hero, but then like deal with the situation you built. Yeah. Venom Blast too. He he like never uses those. He uses it like once in this episode and misses. But I don't know. I remember, I don't remember outside of the one instance of it in this episode. I don't remember the last time I saw him use his Venom Blast before either. Um, I do. It was uh, it was Spider Island Part One was the last time he used it because he accidentally hit Peter with it. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, he uses it. He doesn't even like use it well. Yeah. <laughs> like actually, this the show... two instances that I can think of, he misses in both cases because he misses in this episode too. Okay, here's a statement I'm willing to make that is critical of the show. So everybody, get prepared. Okay. This show is afraid to use Miles. It yeah, just simply so is too. afraid of opening the can of worms. It is not prepared yeah. to deal with a superhero who has more powers than Peter and it is limiting itself uh, uh because yeah. it's like okay, but okay, but he can be invisible and electrocute people. We don't want to deal with that right now. <laughs> well, I think it's that. I think it's unafraid and uninterested, honestly. I think that this show is also fundamentally uninterested in Miles as a character and using him. Oh, I, I hate that honestly, so much more than more, afraid, Derek. But no, but it, it really doesn't he feel like more of a burden on this show than he like yeah. not from an outside not from a viewer's perspective, but like We are not saying a, Miles is a burden. We fucking like, love Miles. It, it That's feels why we're like, frustrated. It feels like from a writing perspective he is a burden for them because it they, it feels like they try not to use them as, as often as possible they try to avoid using him like they seem to just just do their best to keep him out of an episode and when they feel like he he needs to be in there or they have no choice to include him they make him as like useless as possible or as sidelined as possible but here's what's frustrating about that is you don't have to use him yeah. You can establish his power set and just deal with circumstances you've created, right? So, like, even if it was an executive thing where they were like, Miles exists, he's blowing up, you have to give him spider I powers. I feel like that had to be what happened. That's the only reason. I can't imagine a situation where that wasn't at least a factor. It doesn't seem like they wanted to introduce him as early right. as they wanted to. It and, really and, does and, feel like that was an executive decision. Right. To and get I him said last earlier. week that I would argue based on the story they're telling they shouldn't have, right? And yeah. I love Miles. Miles is like right up there next yeah. to Peter Parker for me as favorite spider yeah. people. But they like, held I off giving him. Anya and Gwen powers f- exactly. until very late in the season. And that's not even like an official right. thing right now. So why? Th- I, yeah, they could have held yes. off on miles. Too. So I think it, 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 there had to have been some sort of directive. Like you need to give him spider powers, but then they just don't deal with it. Um, and it's so frustrating because you can, you don't need to have him in every, every episode. You, you Derek came up with the perfect solution, which is he's off doing his own thing. Just check in with him every once in a while. Have him fill in Peter on the things he was doing. Just yeah. like create the expectation, even if you're not going to always acknowledge it. Like if you're not going to come up with a patch for every single situation where Miles isn't there, at least tell us he does things. Yeah. At least tell us he is superheroing. Is he from, so Peter's from Queens. Is he from Brooklyn? Is that where? Yeah. yeah Brooklyn Visions Academy. Yeah. Yeah. So just have him be in Brooklyn doing other stuff. They are friendly neighborhood Spider-Man in different neighborhoods. Just establish yeah. that. That's what the game. I mean, I know the game comes after this, but like that's what the Miles Morales game does. I think really well. It's sort of like, no, he's a Spider-Man in, in Brooklyn. He's the Harlem Spider-Man like that. Yeah. That, that is some. So he, he is. He, but his comic and, does yeah. that, too. They don't have an excuse. Like, I, I get what you're yeah. saying because the, the game really drives it home. But the comics did that, too. I mean, part of what was appealing about Miles was that it was a return to form of Ace Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man. I mean, at the time Miles was blowing up, 
Peter Parker was like a global Spider-Man, right? So yeah. it was like a way to do both things. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I don't think they have an excuse there. Not that I was saying yeah. you were making one for them, but like, come on, guys. Yeah, come on. it's it's stupid. Be better. Just be better writers, period. Honestly, we, when it comes to that. <laughs> when it comes to Miles. And we've given them lots of lot, like lots and lots of praise on their writing. So like. Yeah, this isn't just you know a, a full on attack, but like yeah. come on. But but honestly, Miles the, is deserving of a lot more than this. The miles of it all is the kind of thing that makes you wonder if Kevin Shinnick leaves or is asked to leave or something um, at the end of the season because he really does want to focus on Peter as a solo hero. Because like I said, all of the quotes at the beginning of the season that come from him specifically oh, yeah. were very much like, I think it's cool for Peter to be interested in science and for a back to basic Spider-Man. And then suddenly you have all these other spider characters and maybe, you know, it's, it's the, the people up top are sort of like are forcing them to allow miles to be Spider-Man early. And maybe it's just like either he's not happy with it or they're not happy with his approach to the show of constantly sidelining all the other spider people or holding off Anya and Gwen becoming spider people like later on. And I'm not saying which approach is better or worse, but I do think that I feel like you kind of sense that conflict in this season with the miles of yep. it all. And I could sort of see, you know, by, by I can see a change. This is a, based on absolutely no knowledge other than knowing that Gwen and Anya do become costume superheroes at some point in the show. I wouldn't be surprised if next season, the solo Peter stuff is just gone. And like, it is always spider team ups from yeah. this, this point going well, forward. It makes a lot of sense. I mean, of course we'll have clarity once we move further into the series, but like it makes a lot of sense. Ultimate Spider-Man, which we haven't covered yet, uh, but are both familiar with is very much a team show. Like it is about at least at the Spider-Man beginning. Being, it, at least at the yeah, beginning, yeah, yeah. it is. Yeah, yeah. It, it is established as um, as uh, at least in the beginning, like a show where Peter is part of a team, and this show does the opposite thing, or at least tries to. It sounds like, according to Kevin Shinnick. So I can understand where like you would begin to get that friction. But I think you and I splitting the season into halves has made it even more stark for the yeah. two of us that something shifted. Yeah. Something changed, yeah. uh, and I will be very curious to see if it goes full bore into the sort of like s- Sentai of it all <laughs> with all four of them next season yeah. or something, you know? I can see a version of the show that maybe like Shinnick had in mind where it was just the the actual crux of the season which it ultimately is is just peter and harry's relationship but in a way where it is just like as a solo spider-man show and then all of the other spider people kind of getting involved and it ends up sort of like muddying that a bit yeah. like you know like i mean at the end of the day the core of this season really is peter and harry but i think there's a solid argument where if you were coming into this show for miles or for anya or for gwen or for or for spider people sure, like sure the Harry Peter stuff feels like it just kind of overtakes all of that. And it does because the show doesn't really seem to be interested in spider people. It seems to be interested in Peter and Harry. And I think in a lot of ways, that's to the benefit of the season because that stuff is really well done. We have heaped tons and tons of praise onto all the Peter and Harry stuff, but like, yeah, it is very much just focused on that and any mm-hmm. other side side character or side hero, I should say, like Miles kind of gets the shaft in the season, even though it was a 25, 26 episode season. Like there's plenty of room <laughs> to include yeah. that stuff. There are episodes that Harry doesn't appear in that could have been focused on Miles uh, that just weren't. So it, it does. When you present it like that, it does clarify to me a little bit why people would react to this series as being underwhelming or not necessarily doing a whole lot new, because even though you and I are looking at it, 
from the Harry and Peter side of things doing something very new, if you are presented with a series that includes three other people you know will become like costume superheroes who have never been or rarely been uh, costume superheroes in previous animated series, I could see that creating an expectation that results in, oh shit, okay, so they're not actually doing that. It doesn't feel like this cartoon's meeting its potential, right? Like if that's your metric from the jump, I kind of can understand a little bit more, at least some of the people who might think the show um, wasn't like, yeah, wasn't doing anything. Uh, I almost said spectacular, but in this, in these parts, that means something. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, doing I mean, something special. Also, funny to say that in this episode, that is like very spectacular. Exactly. In a ways, so uh, you know, this episode almost just straight up does spectacular. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, honestly, well, we'll get to it. It's honestly like weird, Um, but yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. Oh God. It's just, yeah, man. Uh, Miles feelings are just very strong. Well, you and I have said multiple times on the podcast and at least 10 times as much off the podcast that like there should just be a Miles cartoon, right? So like that's weird that there isn't. Right. That's where you and I are coming from. If people are like wondering why we're nailing this so hard. Yeah. It's because it's it's long overdue, uh, yeah. to be honest. And so this is the second show he's yeah. appeared in. They should be doing better. It's it's shitty. I think, I mean, we're going to watch and cover Spider-Man freshman year, the MCU show. I just, I don't, and, and I know that there's a d- take on that and everything, I think it's bizarre that that show exists and a Miles Morales show doesn't. I think it's. I know I think, because he's not going to be in it, or at least from the beginning. Yeah, right? I think it's really. I, I don't. I think I it would be shitty. Well, I think it would be universe. shitty. I think it would be shitty if he's another supporting character in that show, and that's how they introduce Good point. him. Like, Agreed. I think that that would be because I think it's sort of like I feel like after the 2017 show, it really was primed for the next Spider-Man cartoon to be Miles Morales. And I think for one, because it has to be another MCU thing, they, they were afraid to do that, I guess. But, and, and I imagine that like, you know, the powers that be are probably holding on to miles to deploy him in a way that they want to at some point down the line for real, not in an animated series, but then like, then don't, then do a show that isn't tied into the MCU. That is a miles Morales show. Like we have, we were past due from that. Like it doesn't, it does not make sense that we have. Here's my spicy take that we won't dig into necessarily. I don't think any cartoon that they should, that they're making about Spider-Man should tie to the MCU. I know this one's loose. This but one is a weird, is a weird, is, the more you learn about it, it's like, it's a weird take. I'm excited about it just to see what they're going to do. They're just, but, they're saying it is for marketing reasons, but it's not going to feel like an MCU show at all. Yeah. Which is fine. I mean, we'll, we'll have plenty to say about it when we watch it and cover it, It you know. In real time. Yeah. Yeah. I think we can do that. I, I um, think we have to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When is that show? For, we'll figure that out. Not until um, next year. Like, in, oh, okay. In, like into next year, I believe. So we've got plenty of time to figure that out. Yeah. Maybe I think. We'll cover it in real time. Yeah. So, you know, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll have plenty of thoughts about that, but I think even if that show is amazing, good, love it. And it's perfect. And and, and it's our favorite Spider-Man show ever. Just, I will never, I will never forgive them for that show for the next cartoon or a parallel cartoon running at the same time, not being a Miles Morales cartoon. Because it's, it's honestly their second chance. Yeah. To be fair to them, 2017 was really their first opportunity, I think, Mm -hmm. to like, sell a miles morales cartoon right sure he existed before this like almost like plenty before this but i don't know that they 
I, I'm willing to give them it would have been hard. Not impossible. You can sell a character with a good cartoon. Yeah. Um, but I, I can understand where this would be the first opportunity. We yeah. do see him for the first time in Ultimate Spider-Man. Makes sense. Spoilers for that series a little bit. Yeah. Um, but, but this is pre-Into the Spider-Verse. Right. This is their second opportunity. You and I cover Spider-Man cartoons. We're literally just begging for any sort of dedicated Miles content yeah. in the cartoon realm that isn't a movie. Even if yeah. you gave us, like, this wouldn't be enough, clarifying before I say this, even if you just gave us an entire Marvel Rising, like, six-part series about Miles, mm-hmm. like, just something. <laughs> yeah, we at least got Ghost Spider for that. Yes. Like, at least, like, that is something that you can say that about, like, I mean, weirdly, like, you've gotten Ghost Spider slash Spider-Gwen in Mar- Marvel Rising, you've gotten a Lego special with her in it, like, it's... Does she appear in Ultimate? I don't know. She's, she's an ultimate too. She's an thing. ultimate okay, as well. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, weirdly, it almost feels like we've gotten more, maybe not like literally comparatively an episode wise, but in terms of like different iterations, I feel like we might've maybe gotten more spider Gwen than we've gotten miles, which isn't a bad thing. Spider Gwen is an important character. I mean, it's like for her three own. versus two, I think. Right. Right. And it's, so it's not like it's a lot, but like, you know, it's, it's weird. It's still weird. It's sort of like, I don't know, more, just more miles in general. Like it's, it's, it's just strange to me. I, I have to wonder if like, especially cause he's currently younger. Like miles yeah. is still, even in the comics, like 18 know. at the oldest. It has, it has, I have to wonder if there's more like rights shit tangled up in it. You know, like if they, if Maybe. they feel like, I think that's optimistic. <laughs> I yeah, mean, I, I hope that's the case. You know, if it's, yeah, like Sony not wanting to there to be like Sony is sort of like you can have Miles, you know, as a side character and stuff. But we're reserving the rights action. to do our own like actual solo Miles thing yeah, or in live action or something like I don't know. I don't know. There's a lot of questions about that. I think it's just it just no matter what it all feels weird. <laughs> we love Miles and that's where this is coming from. OK. Yeah. Yeah. And, he feel, <laughs> and he's just a very important character, a beloved character. A popular character, an incredibly well conceived yeah. and written character. <laughs> like, yeah, it's it's just very, and it just always feels bizarre every time there's another Spider-Man thing that isn't a Miles Morales Spider-Man thing. Yep. At this point, at, at least we have we'll call we'll give credit where credits due. At least we have the video game, which is very good. If you have the ability to play it and haven't yet, you should. Yeah, yeah, that's that's good Miles content for sure. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. So where even were we? <laughs> Crowd control. Oh, we Miles takes crowd control. Yeah, crowd control. That's right. Miles is doing crowd control, which, like you said, is literally just telling Max, we need to get everybody out, Max. So P- while Peter suits up as Spider-Man and gets to have all the glory fighting Ox Solo as Spider-Man, the scuffle quickly makes its way outside. It damages the campus, knocks the head off of a Max Modell statue out front, to which Max says, gasp, he did that on purpose. Pause. Pause. Pa- what? What? <laughs> It is wild that there is a statue of Max Modell outside of this school, right? I think it's out of character. I don't think Max Modell would want that in character. I I think it's a very it's a very funny moment when he's like offended that that the statue is damaged. But Max, as it's been established, I feel like is very much like the hippy dippy, we don't really believe in grades kind of team. Like not fully that, but like on that spectrum, you know? Unless we we dig deeper into what they established in the first half of this series or this season, 
which is that there's more to Max when you dig deeper. Mm, that's true. That gives the impression that, that would clarify why all the other geniuses in the city hate him so much. That's a good point. We'll see though, because again, the first half of the season and the second half of the season do feel a little bit distinct. And so yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if those storylines were actually completely dropped. I hope they're not because that was really interesting and intriguing stuff. Like why yeah. do all the geniuses hate Max Modell? There's an entire separate generation of like Gen X geniuses that are, mm-hmm. are feuding with each other and we don't know why. And it all seems to stem around Max Modell. This could play into that. If there is a side of Max we haven't seen because we've only been sold Peter's and Miles and Gwen's and Anya's version of Max, mm-hmm. then sure. But this does feel weird having not gotten yeah. that content or gotten it in a very long time. Yeah, God, I remember when we were like, wondering about like i wonder if there's gonna be like a whole like a, an episode with like a flashback sequence to young I know, max right? and young norman which of y'all Smite. fucked okay we're trying to figure it out uh, we're mapping it <laughs> like, fanfic man i i have a feeling we're never gonna know i feel like they've kind of dropped whatever that whatever that I, was i'm i'm very worried that that's that's gonna be completely yeah. ignored yeah, yeah. but it, it is, is a bummer it, yeah it is a bummer it is kind of funny the idea of like max having a big enough ego to have a statue of himself outside the school but it's just it, everything we we seem to know about him, it feels very out of character, even if yeah. it's a funny joke. Yeah. I don't think yeah. we've ever seen it before. I feel like we would have noticed. <laughs> no, I think it's new. I think it's meant to be new. Um, In the wake of uh, Lizard falling on the school. I think so. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I guess. This was his opportunity know. to finally also, build a statue of himself. Yeah. It's kind of dumb. I don't like it. It would be it, fine whatever. if he were dead or like retired and very <laughs> don't say old. that. I know what you mean. But... I know. I, I, I said that very weird. Um, yeah. <laughs> I said that in a very ungraceful way. But, yeah. Yeah. Um, It'd be fine if it was like in memoriam. It feels memoriam, like a memorial. Yeah. Oh, that's what I'm trying to say is it feels like the thing you would do in memoriam, not yeah. a thing you would do while they are currently working there and yeah. in charge of the school, it's presumably the more I think with the about ability it. to make the decision to commission that. Imagine if you like the public school you went to had like a statue of the principal there. That's the equivalent. Like, yeah. We, did, we are not, t- we have never been told that Max founded this school, have we? That, uh, I don't know if we have or not. I feel like the, the implication is that, but we don't. But know I don't think we've, we've ever, ever been told that. that. Yeah, yeah, that's very <laughs> funny. Or it's like even worse. It's like going to a job and like the CEO as a statue of himself. Ew. That's like a red flag, man. That's like that's like severance <laughs> shit. Like that's. <laughs> Did the Walt Disney statue exist while he was still alive? The one oh, at Disney World. Mm, but you know what? That's kind of different, though, because he literally like made a brand of himself. Like, I think like there is. I mean, not that I think it's any I mean, less like, gross, but I think it makes but more is sense. It better? <laughs> and not necessarily better, but I think it makes more sense there. And it would even make sense for like Oz, buy, Norman. Yeah. It would make more sense for like it would make sense for Norman Osborn to have a statue oh, outside sure. of Oscorp, especially the, co- the, the company that's named after yeah. him. Horizon High. It's never f- seemed like this is the Max Mel- Model project. Yeah. This feels like really like I, I I did not expect to be spending this much time talking about the Max Model statue, but like they make it's like, weird. It, it comes up a couple of times and it's and it's highlighted and it's very yeah. weird. It's a weird thing. This is another thing I could be reading too much into it because we've talked about it. Like Kevin Shinnick comes from a comedy background, oh, and that's right. I will say, looking at a lot of his the episodes he wrote. He wasn't the strongest writer on like his individual episodes on the show, I feel like. So I do feel like I feel like 
when we get a bits of his personality in this show, it is these weird comedy moments that okay. we're like, well, this doesn't fit in character wise, but it's like, I think he just liked comedy for jokes the joke. for the sake yeah. of the joke. And I think that that would fit in like ultimate Spider-Man. But I think now that we've watched this entire season, I feel like the dramatic stuff is very much overtaken that. So these little things, the jokes for the sake of jokes that maybe would have been fine, you know, in the first like 12 or 13 episodes just don't really fit anymore because we've been too invested in the character of it that's a good point perspective is definitely yeah. uh definitely a factor here <laughs> could be another thing could be another reason why he left because it's just like i wanted to make yeah. a comedy show and nobody else wanted to so i'm out yeah. of here who knows i'm okay with them choosing not to make a full-on comedy especially after yeah. ultimate but yeah. i hope that that i hope that with his departure like it is a it's not like a humorless show oh i doubt that <laughs> it i'm can't sure be. that's not gonna be the case spider-man yeah. is never well i shouldn't say never but it's well, not meant to be humorless yeah. what it is then then you get the mtv show so there you go <laughs> <laughs> we don't want that check out those episodes or don't whatever you want <laughs> <laughs> check out our episodes covering yeah, check out them. our episodes of that show if even if you don't check out the episodes of that show <laughs> our episodes frustratingly covering them as our souls are <laughs> crushed and sucked out repeatedly. <laughs> i'm glad we shifted to this show after that one. Oh jesus christ what a breath of fresh air this was much more rewarding <laughs> Guess what? No women die at the end of this episode. So, oh, spoiler alert! <laughs> no girlfriends are violently killed, yep. or pu- sorry, put into a coma that they'll never wake up from. Right. <laughs> we don't dispose of every single character of color in this series. Oh, Jesus Christ! Okay, God, this episode is going to be so long. Let's keep going. Whatever. So it's a finale. Okay, it's a finale. It's a finale. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so just as Doc Ock manages to restrain Spider-Man and blame his quips for pushing Doc Ock to the dark side. (laughs) That is very funny. See, all these excuses. He keeps making excuses. I need him to get to the point where he's just like accepting his power, but I talked about that last week. We don't need to litigate. It is interesting that it's like a part of his character, it seems like. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Hobgoblin arrives. So. Cool. Okay. Hi. You're going to help, right? Uh, He makes quick work of trapping Doc Ock in a new pumpkin bomb that like creates some kind of like force field containment cell thing. Sure. Whatever. It's pretty neat. Uh, It's pretty neat. Yeah. But then he just attacks Spider-Man. He just starts throwing bombs and lasers and shit. Spider-Man and Spider-Man's like, "Uh, excuse me. Uh, And Hobgoblin claims that there's only room for one of the two in New York and repeatedly calls him a criminal and a menace. Whoa. Is J Jonah Jameson secretly in the Hobgoblin suit? Can you imagine? That would be such a wild way to introduce him. I mean, it would be a terrible way to introduce him because then none of this would make sense. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) It would be funny. Also, I do find it, this is purely just me finding it funny, not a critique of the show. I do find it very funny that Hobgoblin claims there's only room for one of the two of them when it is fully established that costume superheroes exist across the city. (laughs) Including another (laughs) Spider-Man. I know. Miles is probably watching just being like, so cool, I guess I'm just chopped liver already. I mean... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we just just talk for like 15 minutes about it <laughs> yeah only 15 minutes dang i'm being generous i'm sure <laughs> so the two of them fight they exchange blows uh you made a note here do you want to talk about this moment? one of those blows is so fucking cool it's like it i i didn't know where to put it because it's like not that important it's just like a cool thing they did with the animation sure. uh, essentially they 
they being Spider-Man and Hobgoblin both try to punch each other at like full force, but they, they do that thing that happens again. We talked about how much the show is inspired by anime. They do that thing where their fists meet instead of, you know, landing on their target. And when they punch each other's fists, they create like that weird sort of like sonic boom shockwave thing. Mm -hmm. I'm a sucker for that. I love that so much. You could put it into anything and I'd be here for it. Yeah. I'm into it too. I love it. I agree. agree. (laughs) It's so cool. It's very cool. Yeah, but ultimately Hobgoblin gains the upper hand using another new pumpkin bomb that creates a, quote, electromagnetic link. Okay, sure. And traps Spider-Man against a nearby wall. Uh, Luckily, Miles, uh, who's suited up as Spider-Man, alongside Anya and Gwen, arrive to the scene miles miles later. Jesus. (laughs) Miles away. (laughs) Moments later. Miles, you know, being the super powered one, uh, attempts to keep Hobgoblin occupied while Anya and Gwen, the maybe super powered ones, who knows who could say, uh, but Anya, if she is still super powered, which I, I strongly think she is, she wouldn't be able to really help anyway, because she and Gwen are preoccupied trying to disable the electromagnetic restraint. I actually do think that's clever, like a clever way to keep that vague. Cause like Anya has a good reason yes. for not using spider powers because she is good at this tech stuff. So of course the two girls are going to be helping, you know, getting Spider-Man out of his restraints. So by the end of this episode, we will, we do not know if she saw his spider powers right. or not. I theorize that she does, but I want to believe that she still does. And so there's a part of my brain that is like, we have sort of kind of ambiguously established that she is the tank of the group. Could yeah. she not just rip these things off the wall? But we also know that she defaults to science first. So it makes sense that she is trying to disable it yeah. and not immediately thinking smash. And it's some, some electromagnetic thing. Who knows? You know, that could be literally impossible to just rip off the wall or something like that. I, don't I know. guess it's science stuff. <laughs> they said science words, so I have to accept. Yeah. It. You know, the thing with shows famously. <laughs> yes. So Hobgoblin <laughs> launches Miles into the air, actually kind of doing like a similar sonic boom type thing. He launches him high enough that when he lands, he's kind of momentarily stunned and like out of commission, which allows hobgoblin to toss a more classic pumpkin bomb at spidey anya and gwen there is a moment that kind of calls back a little bit to spider-man deciding to pull harry out of the building where it's like you're not going to finish this in time but obviously i shouldn't say obviously this makes spider-man sound terrible but like spider-man's in danger so he's a little bit more invested in, in anya and gwen like finishing their task yeah they do luckily disable the restraint with just enough time for Spider-Man to then catch the pumpkin bomb and swing it back at Hobgoblin. Also always a sucker for that. Um, Yeah. Well, I think what you, what you mean to say, what Spider-Man says is that he has to use the bomb's momentum to reverse the trajectory. Yes. He uses uses his, of course that's, I'm so sorry. Um, (laughs) yes. Uh, he doesn't catch it. That's uh, that would be ridiculous. Uh, But but it's worth noting because it's a cooler sequence than him catching it, right? He uses oh, it's his webbing cool to sequence. grab it and then swing around um, and throw it. This is a, probably one of the more scientifically sound things they say. But yeah, it's just funny because that he's it's very that clunky for him to like articulate that aloud. <laughs> yeah, but it's like you could have just also done the cool thing, but sure. But, okay. Yeah, that's one of those situations where you don't need the jargon. You can just show us what you yeah. did. <laughs> yeah, like I get what you did. Like that's that's fine. You don't need to explain that to me, uh-huh. and it doesn't like help explaining it either. So no one's learning science from that moment. So. <laughs> 
whatever. <laughs> well, I'm I'm glad. I'm glad that you touched down to clarify that. That, yeah, w- that would that have was... been a, a huge mistake on my part. <laughs> Very important. <laughs> um, but this but the bomb does explode in front of Hobgoblin and he flies off. So kind of yeah. a, a hit and run situation here. Yeah. And so then um uh, on his way to Oscorp, Peter attempts to call Harry, and we do cut to I okay. think this is a very I think this is an extremely smart cut because it basically immediately cuts from this to Norman watching this footage at Oscorp, which I think in your brain, that kind of clues your brain into just being like, Oh, so he's like kind of watching this like right after or Mm -hmm. as it's happened. Um, but then, so I don't, and I don't think like when I first watched this, I didn't really pick up on the fact that like Peter is now swinging at night. So actually a lot of time has passed. Um, but I think you're still, you're the way that the cuts are just because of the way, you know, just because of scene and film editing, it makes it really feel like this is Norman is watching this like immediately or concurrently yeah. to when it's happening, which I think is a very smart thing for them to do because it kind of trains your brain to yeah. pick up like on the wrong clues and be and misinterpret that actually, actually this is taking place hours later. Yeah. That's so. a good call. Good shout. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but either way, Peter attempts to call Harry. Norman picks up the phone because uh, he's just got Harry's phone with him, which is not a creepy thing for a father to do at Ooh. all. Don't like We're that. We're starting to get into the territory where we should, we, y'all should be paying attention to yes. the things Norman is doing. Yeah. Kind of a controlling thing to do, you might say, hmm. uh, that hmm. Norman just answering his 16 year old son's phone calls. And, you know, Norman's like, sorry, you know, Harry's sleeping. And Peter's like, that was a weird interaction. Okay, I'm going to pay Harry a visit anyway. Uh, And Norman stops by Harry's room to deliver the message that Peter called, but finds Harry waking up on the floor after seemingly having passed out in his hobgoblin suit, which if you've watched Spectacular Mm Spider-Man, should be ringing a lot of red flags. Mm -hmm. I do think... And we'll we'll dissect this a little bit more later when we have more clarity on how this all plays out. For sure. I do think it is fun to have the knowledge of Spectacular in the yeah. same way it is fun to watch Spectacular with knowledge of other previous shows or comics mm-hmm. because you end up in a situation, and now I'm I'm much more practiced at this, yeah. um, where you can sit there and be like, that feels familiar, but uh-huh. I'm going to wait and see. <laughs> well, there's that, and there's also like... I think it ends up, at least for me, if you're not familiar with Spectacular, obviously this is always going to be new to you. If you are familiar with it, if you are familiar with the entire Goblin arc and how yes. the, the wild way that was constructed throughout two seasons of the show, I feel like your expectation is like, well, they're not just going to straight up copy that. So what's going to be their weird twist on it? Exactly. Yeah. So you you kind of, it, it and it does what Spectacular does very well. In that it creates a situation where it builds expectations, but it doesn't confirm them until much later. So you're in a space where you're like, I think this could happen because it seems like that's going to happen, but they're not telling me it's happening. So maybe I'm being swindled. Like they do a pretty good job here of doing that sort of goblin magic that many stories do well of like playing with what you know. I'm really Mm -hmm. pleased to see that this series does a good job with it as well. Because mm-hmm. I wasn't sure. Like, I, I like the series is generally pretty straightforward. I mean, it's toyed with some stuff with like Stealth Spider and whatnot, but yeah, I wouldn't but argue it handled the Stealth Spider stuff very well. It was on the right track and then fumbled it pretty badly um, at the end, honestly. I right, would say. exactly. And so I wasn't like expecting the show to necessarily um, kind of capture that magic. And I would argue that this episode kind of does. I mean, it, it, it plays out in one of uh, a few ways that you might expect, but you don't know for certain that it is playing out that way until the moment it is clarified. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Anyway, we're not quite at that point yet, but I just was, I'm very excited about what this episode did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's interesting stuff, but yeah. So Harry's obviously confused about all of this. Uh, and then he's answered by Norman who shows him a news report of Hobgoblin attacking Spider-Man. So he suggests, uh, you know, given all these clues, it seems like Harry's subconscious is acting out uh, against and, and taking over his conscious mind. And he actually further suggests like, you know, because all those experiments you did on yourself to save my life. Maybe that's actually having adverse effects on you and causing this to happen and causing these blackouts where you then attack Spider-Man because of your subconscious. And then he once again pumps him up for finally achieving the greatness he always envisioned for Harry. Okay. So remember <laughs> remember when I brought up gaslighting? We haven't gotten to the point where that fully makes sense yet, but I want folks who are listening to this who maybe didn't watch the episode because I just know there are some of you out there. To really hang on to a couple things. One, the fact that Norman has Harry's phone and tell and, and is like, you know what, Peter, I'll let him know that you called. Yeah. The fact that Norman finds Harry Osborne passed out in his own bedroom in the Hobgoblin suit. The fact that Norman shows Harry news stories of the Hobgoblin attacking Spider-Man as an explanation for what happened to Harry and suggesting to Harry that... He is acting outside of his full conscious control, um, and that is a potential explanation for what Harry is going through. I just feel like maybe these are like pertinent details yeah. um, for what I brought <laughs> up at the beginning of this episode. Just like maybe. <laughs> All the while like throwing in little bits and pieces of like praise, right? Like little yeah. bits and pieces of like, I'm taking care of you, and also you're achieving greatness here, buddy. Yeah, I, which is, you know... <laughs> Just objectively a wild and weird thing to say to your son after figuring out that he was supposedly blacking out and becoming a supervillain and trying to kill someone. <laughs> but like, that's yeah. the greatness I always wanted from you is to yeah. black out <laughs> and subconsciously try to murder someone. Mm-hmm. Red flag, guys. <laughs> a lot of red flags. We have <laughs> a full collection Multiple, here. plural red flags. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh, boy. Um, Yeah, so when Norman leaves Harry's room, Harry notices Spider-Man in the window. Uh, So they chat, and obviously Spider-Man's like, what's going on, dude? Why? I thought we were good. And Harry's like, yeah, we are. At least I thought. And he explains that, you know, he saw what happened on the news, but has no memory of of the whole attacking Spider-Man thing. Um, So Harry then shares Norman's theory about like it being Harry's subconscious, like taking over or something like that. And uh, Peter is sort of like, okay, so Harry, how about you see a fucking doctor, dude? Like beyond i think we're beyond beyond sorting this out as friends like if your subconscious is taking you over and getting to try to kill me let's see if i can doctor man um but then that's when harry admits like the reason that he hasn't gone to see a doctor is because he's actually scared of what he's going to learn because of all the experimentation he did on himself he doesn't want to go to the he is scared to go to the doctor and find out actually no you've got something horrible coursing through your veins that's like destroying you which is like a very real thing right like i feel like that is such an authentic like i know that there's something wrong wrong with you but i'm afraid to go to the doctor and get that bad news because that confirms all of my fears i love that this show and i've praised the show uh for portraying peter and harry's communication in certain ways 
Um, obviously it's often like bad because they're working through things, but I, I praise them when they do their like feelings talk. And I love Mm. that this show is willing to have Harry just say like, I'm afraid to go to the doctor because I'm afraid of what I'll find out. Yeah. Like I love it. That's so real. And it's such a vulnerable thing to say. Yeah, I agree. I like it. Also, I like, I want to point out this show is relying on what we know of potential of previous green goblins uh, when they have Norman suggest to Harry that his subconscious is taking over. Because mm-hmm. that's such a goblin-y thing. <laughs> it's such a goblin-y thing, and we as an audience just sort of uh, uh, categorize it as a goblin-y thing. Yeah. But it is a really wild thing to suggest to somebody. I, yeah. I know this isn't real life, but it is a wild thing to suggest to somebody. Yeah. But I think it. I think they know that we are going to categorize mm-hmm. it as like, oh, that's goblin behavior. Yeah, I bought it. Dude, I'm going to be honest. I, I fully bought that it, they weren't trying to pull the rug out. I considered it totally viable. Yeah. Yeah. I was just like, okay, I guess that's where they're going. Honestly, I will say there was a part of me watching this that I'm sort of like, is this how they're going to write Harry out? Is that he realizes that he can't exist, like that he's going to continue to keep trying to kill Spider-Man subconsciously. And then he like leaves the country or something. Oh, and shit. that's how they write him out. I thought that that's what I, I for, at least for this scene, mm-hmm. I really thought that's where this was going. Yeah. Um, cause it would be a really tragic end. Like, Oh shit, I've got these great powers and we're finally on good terms. And now I have to leave you because I like my subconscious is trying to kill you. Like that would be a really Damn. tragic way to end it. And there's other, you know, there's other superhero stories that have done that, right? Like you finally get oh, yeah, to a good sure. place together and now some other bizarre super, you know, super villain, superhero, you know, sci-fi stuff like gets in the way and then you have to, you have to leave and that's what causes your separation. You know, there, there's something really tragic and poignant about that. And I think it, and I don't think it would have been a bad way for this to end. Honestly, um, that's obviously not the direction that it goes in, but like, I, I was fully buying into that being the story they were telling in this scene. Yeah, I was fully open to that being the potential uh, route they went, right? Like, I, yeah. I've been approaching... The, Spectacular taught me some lessons. I've been approaching with yeah. a much more open mind. <laughs> uh, yeah, good. I'm glad. But One but day we'll have to was, revisit those those episodes. <laughs> well, I just... I was so convinced they were trying to... And, you know, you can listen to those episodes. But I was so convinced they were going to trick me in a way that I couldn't possibly predict. And that's such a tall order, right? So now I'm just sort of like, here are the possibilities on the table. And that was definitely one of them. I was like, yeah. it's totally viable that this show could go in that direction. And it would, it would fully be in line with things they've already done to this point so yeah um, it wasn't necessarily what i wanted to happen sure it would have been a bit of a bummer but yeah um it, it would have it wouldn't have flown in the face of anything they'd done so far no and i think it's even you know i think that's even it it felt even more like a possibility to me as the scene continued because when peter was like offering to help harry harry's like does the very classic, the thing that superheroes do to their love interests all the time, where it's just like, it's not safe for you. I I, I don't think it's safe for you to be around me right now, actually. So, so he's like, you know, it's too dangerous. He compares it to Peter hiding his identity as Spider-Man to save his loved ones. So it's like the perfect flip of that. It's sort of like, I think you need to stay away from me now so I don't hurt you. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's it's so good it's like more it's more even than just like analogous to other superheroes and love interests like it's happened in this very show like he's calling back to like his best friend did this to him so his best friend should understand right yeah like it's really it's really smart for them to do that yeah yeah and i think you know and, and i and i think too it's also important like harry does very much call it call out like his experimentation on himself as irresponsible like he knows that it was irresponsible and like he shouldn't have done it 
which I think is, you know, a thing that you were referencing earlier that like the yeah. show makes the very clear, or like, I guess last week that the show makes it very clear that that was a bad thing. And like in this scene, it is very much like Harry taking responsibility for his bad decisions and feeling like he has to take responsibility for keeping Peter safe, essentially. Like all yeah. of that's kind of wrapped up, which again, very heroic thing to do because Harry is the true hero of this season. Uh, that's what but- <laughs> he's wanted this whole time. Yeah. Yeah. He gets, but, uh, but you know, of course in like, honestly in true Parker, what kind of fashion Harry gets his wish of being the superhero that I always wanted to be, but it also comes with all your typical here, superhero trials mm-hmm. and problems, which is I have to keep my loved ones away from me to protect them. Essentially keep them honestly, in an arm's length to protect, to protect them. Honestly, good on this show. I mean, like yeah. that's the poetry I'm here for. You know what I yeah, mean? For sure. I love it. It's great. Yeah. So, okay. This is interesting. I, this next line is a thing that they certainly could have written better, but I don't hate the sentiment. <laughs> Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, because... oh yes. Uh, I know. I, I wrote this down too. I was like, oh, yikes. I know I know what you meant, but yikes. I added some stuff in brackets because I was like, I know what you mean, but I think yeah. maybe you should consider that there are children watching your show. Yeah. Because Peter's like, okay, I get it. I, I do understand. You have thrown my behavior back at me. It would. I have to accept it. We'll revisit that. But... He's like, I get it. So he leaves Harry to himself to figure things out. But outside, Peter's like, wait, hold on a second. I'm here at Oscorp. I'm talking to an Osborne. This place is rife with geniuses who have made bad decisions. Like, that's kind of their whole deal. But this one's my best friend. Like, I don't want that to happen to him. So maybe friends don't take no for an answer. Period. Uh, hate it, hate it, hate it. My bracket that I'm adding is yeah. maybe friends don't take no for an answer when it comes to offering help. Yeah. Because that's a really important caveat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because, children, it is important to accept no as an answer. <laughs> yeah, don't, 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 oh boy. Yeah, don't, don't teach children that. Right. Uh, that, that, that no doesn't right (laughs) but the sentiment i really appreciate which is the idea that like sometimes our the people we love are hesitant to accept our help and sometimes Mm -hmm. it's out of fear which harry's articulated right like he's explicitly communicated he's afraid to get help and so this is a situation where peter can sit there and say this is different there is nuance here Mm -hmm. i am not going to just respect Harry's wishes because Harry is operating from a place of fear and not from a place of reason and he needs help and he's not going to get it himself unless I do something. So I appreciate the message here, uh, but the wording, my friends (laughs) could have been better. (laughs) Yep. Yep. Don't. Yeah. We were, we were absolutely on the same wavelength (laughs) for that. I was like, when he said that, I was like, no, 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 no. That's the type of thing you take out of context and and bury Spider-Man with. Yeah. (laughs) Spider-Man canceled. (laughs) Go back and delete that tweet, buddy. I know it was, it was like from 10 years ago, Mm -hmm. but, but, but it doesn't look good now, man. Just delete it. It's fine. I know you've learned, Uh learned, but take it, take it off because absolutely all the wrong people are going to, going to, going to pull that and and use that against you, man. So, Yep. 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 Oh boy. I mean, this all results in Harry, not Harry. This results in Peter basically being like, I know I said I wouldn't get involved, but I am recognizing this is a situation where I should get involved. Yeah. That's what that rant was about. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. So in his attempt to find Harry, Peter is unfortunately found by the hobgoblin first. uh, And he's nearly hit by a pumpkin bomb. So 
In an effort to kind of dispose of Spider-Man for good, Hobgoblin collapses a skyway over a passing bus. Take care of this, Spider-Man. I love his entrance. Like, Hobgoblin makes this, like, force wave that, like, blows out a shit ton of windows. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's, it's so, so cool. It's so badass. I love that he has, like, he basically has, like, Vulture Tech. Because I feel like, like, maybe it's last week, yeah. but he uses, like, a Sonic scream for a second. And then he uses a kind of a Sonic Sonic thing to, to blast those windows out, which he, I'm sort of like, are you going to, like, fight Venom in another season or something, maybe? I don't oh, know. Oh, interesting. Right? He, I, mean, I, but I wonder he, that. Huh. I hadn't thought of that, but I like that you have now put that in my brain. Yeah. Um, he does. I mean, he does use Vulture Tech for sure. And I feel like there – I mean, this doesn't necessarily apply to Hobgoblin, but I do feel like um, when Ock had his sort of Sinister Five, like, mm. there was definitely tech sharing there because I feel like Rhino also – did sort of like a weird sonic scream thing. So I feel like mm-hmm. they're they're sort of like trading tech and like sort of learning from each other's villainous mm-hmm. uh tech situations. In this yeah. case I love it though because every time we see Hobgoblin he's got like a new trick. And I think that's really that's fun because cool. it keeps yeah. Spider-Man on his toes. Spider uses like a cool little web shield against yeah. like the glass blasting. I love it. So cool. Very cool shields these past couple weeks because we referenced that Ock does cool stuff with his tentacles or his arms. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that he does is like create a shield, which I don't think I've ever seen him do like curl it up into a, into a shield. Anyway, that was last week, but yeah, sure. Lots of cool shield stuff. Yeah. Yeah, like I said, there's like a collapsing skyway over a bus that Spidey Spidey catches the skyway, but he's like buckling under its weight. Um, you know, the people are trapped in the bus. It's really fucking scary. It's very scary. And this is, you know, this is their like riff on the final chapter moment, right? Of him trying to hold up the uh, the building parts while he's drowning. This is their version of that, right? Because he's like trying to, to hold up, trying to use his strength to hold up an entire skyway that's going to like crush him and the people trapped in the bus below him. Uh, it's very well like choreographed. It looks really, Ooh. it looks really scary. And Hobgoblin just fucking leaves, which is such a Green Goblin thing, right? Um, it got me, Derek. It got me when, when I said these two episodes like got me emotionally in a number of yeah. places. Like this sequence got me real good. Well, and I feel like too, we kind of haven't really seen this Peter in like this kind of dire situation. You know, like I feel like every. I mean, he has been in plenty of dire situations. I don't want to say that, but like we've seen plenty of, I feel like every version of Spider-Man has like that moment where Spider-Man is doing something like, and really struggling. And then you're reminded like, oh, this is kind of just a kid. Like, this is like a 16 to 20 year old who's doing this. I feel like because it happened so early in the comic, it has become like almost as essential to the Spider-Man character as his origin story. Like it is wrapped yeah. up. It's like the next chapter of his, yeah. you know, origin story. So it makes yeah. sense. Yeah. So th- this is their moment where it's just sort of like, Oh my God, this Peter, like Peter here is like really struggling and really doesn't think he can do it and really thinks he's about to die. And I think, um, Robbie Damon plays it really well. Like he just, oh he's my just God. Full of absolute fear. And it's just like, I failed. I'm going to die. I'm sorry, uncle Ben. I fucked up. And, and like, that's, yeah, I, I, I think but it's But he, like, says all really this well as done. he's, like, screaming in pain. Yeah. Like, yeah. If, if Max Middleton fucking crushed it last week, and it, that's not to say he doesn't this week, but, like, really fucking killed it last week, mm-hmm. Robbie Damon, like, matches it this week. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that the show does a really good job of reminding you that these are, like, 
I keep calling them kids. I know they're teenagers. They're not literally kids, but in a lot of ways, they are just kids, right? You know? Well, that's the and thing I, with teenagers, right? They're like in that middle space where like they're yeah. in the transition toward adulthood, but like they haven't fully figured it out yet. So they're like yeah. almost adults, but kind of still kids a little bit. And like, there are moments when the, the kid in them really comes out like in, yeah. in, in really dramatic ways, you know, where they do just kind of like don't know how to deal with their feelings and lash out. Or in this case where it's just like, no, this is just a kid who is extreme, who is very, very scared and doesn't know what to do. And like Ugh. anytime Spider-Man does those final chapter moments, that moment, you know, before the triumph of him overcoming it, that you know, is going to happen before that happens. You get that moment of like, shit, he is just a kid doing this. Right. Like, this is a lot. And and it is really powerful that just this kid who is just full of fear is still able to pull it off. That's what makes it so triumphant. Yeah, it's really one of the things about, like, very young superheroes that I think hits so hard is that any reminder that it's like, fuck, this is just a kid. Yeah. Yeah. This is just like a teenager doing this. Like, they have not mm-hmm. experienced life and they have so much on their yeah. shoulders, you know? Yeah. I, and I, I yeah. was wondering, yeah. though, for this one in particular, because they have established so many other characters, I was like, I know that they're referencing Final Chapter, but like, are they actually going to do it? I will say, I'm very glad that they like stuck to that. It's a little weird the way that they do introduce uh, a character immediately after. But I'm, I am ultimately glad that they like, let this be this version of Spider-Man's like final chapter moment. Yeah. Yeah. It's nice. And I mean, it's like, it's a good season ender thing too. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And it's something like, it's interesting because a lot of the homages to that issue of the comic, which if you're wondering is 33, for some reason that's burned into my brain. Like I can't remember like what I ate this morning, but that for some reason is burned in my brain. I mean, it's a good issue. It's a really great issue. <laughs> that and like the goblin uh, unmasking of Spider-Man stuff. But anyway, um, I will say a lot of stuff that like pays homage to this does so in a much more literal way. I like that this one's pretty different. Like mm-hmm. the fact that it involves like a totally different scenario, but the same type of necessary realization or like build up i think it's cool like i feel like we've seen different takes on the i'm crushed under something and water is dripping on my head which is great but i love that this one does something different it's neat yeah yeah it is neat it is neat in this case it transitions to a flashback uh, an Uncle Ben flashback. <laughs> what do you think of this flashback? I I'm not okay. a fan. I'm not a fan. I'm, I'm going to say. Okay. I like where I it am... leads. I like where it ends, but I feel like it's very hokey and roundabout how it gets to where it's getting. I am okay with the flashback. I think they could have come up with a better example to <laughs> yep. have in the flashback. The so example kind of sucks. That's number one. I have two big things or one big thing, one little thing. The big thing is the example kind of sucks because the example is like, I lost the race for our team because I fell. And then Uncle Ben is like, but you kept trying, right? I love the message, but like they could have come up with a stronger example. I understand it's like he's only like 16 or 15 or something in the show. So like you've only got so much to pull from. Sure. Um The second thing is like, I think this is really established and I'm so hesitant to say this because I like Patton Oswalt so much. Ooh. I think this really solidifies for me that I do not like Patton Oswalt Thank as you. Uncle Ben. I was like, going to say that, Doug. It was going to be a hot take and I was worried no, that I was going to feel bad. Because I, I like no, I still yeah, kind of feel I, bad because I do really like Patton Oswalt a lot. I'm a big fan. I like him. I just He's don't a cool... think this is the role for him. No, right. I agree. I agree. I like him. He's a cool guy. 
uh, the roles that he is good and he's very good at. He's in currently in Sandman yes. doing a voice role in that, and he oh really rocks. Oh, I he didn't is perfect. He is perfect cat. You will. I I didn't know that going into it either. I I, I know very little about Sandman, so I, I shit. I really didn't. <laughs> it's it is very good. I I would highly recommend. Maybe that I'll show. start that tonight. Um yeah, I would highly recommend it. It's great. Um he doesn't. I don't think he pops up in the first episode, so it'll be some time before you meet him. But it really surprised me how much I liked him in that show, even though it almost seems like he doesn't fit in with it. I think when he is good, he's really good, but I think you do have to use him because he's not the kind of actor that like, I don't know, like he's not an actor with like the type of range where you can like have him play various different. He's not a Gary people. Oldman where you don't realize right. it's him right away. <laughs> I think Patton <laughs> you always cast, know it's him. You're casting Patton Oswalt because he can do Patton Oswalt. And I think he does Patton Oswalt really well, but that's a very particular kind of character. Yes. Uncle like, I'm sure Pat Oswalt would make a good uncle, but he doesn't make a good Uncle Ben, if that makes sense. Uncle Ben like, is a very specific yeah. person. Like a very and there are different takes on Uncle Ben, but there are common elements. You or you you would have you could fully reinvent I could see a version of Uncle Ben that is Pat Oswalt that is very fully reinvented. But the sure. thing is he could they be do, cornier. Like he could he, be a more corny uncle. Yeah, I think he could but do uncle that. Uncle Ben but is I, not classically corny, so you would have to reinvent him. And they do really write him as a classic Uncle Ben. The only thing, honestly, that really doesn't make him a classic Uncle Ben is that Pat Patton Oswalt is yeah. voicing him. I think they really need to tweak him more. If they were going to cast Patton Oswalt, they need they needed to write to Patton Oswalt, and they don't. They just try to have Patton Oswalt play like an old, like uh, advice, like classical you know, advice spewing well, <laughs> father figure. And okay, he doesn't like, do that very well. Here's the thing. Like this uncle, if, if this isn't making if what we're saying is not making sense to anybody, like imagine Patton Oswalt being cast in the same roles as Martin Sheen, because that's it's who like that. they are writing. That, that is the, yeah. that is the kind, the kind of uncle Ben they're writing. And so it's like odd to cast them in the same types of, roles because they're very different actors doing very different things and you can write for each one of them very specifically um but like you said they do not write for Patton Oswalt here so he's just like playing a character that's written for somebody else yeah it's weird. I don't it's like it. It's a bummer because I, I love him so much. <laughs> I do. I love him, but I don't. I don't like him. In the, I think. I think he brings down the flashback. Not. Not because of his own fault. It. It then results in one of my least favorite Uncle Ben. Oh, for sure. I've ever seen without question. I think it's. A, <laughs> I think it's a pretty bad Uncle Ben, honestly. Because I. I think his honestly, like his stories and advice aren't that good most of the time well, they feel like remember when we first talked about them they like straight up didn't make sense yeah and it's just like a lot of words to say the most basic ass shit in the world and then i think on top of that you have just a huge misfire with casting pat oswalt yeah. who is doing fine he's doing pat oswalt but yeah to like, clarify it's not pat oswalt's fault <laughs> but like he's just he's just so severely miscast in this that like it's just like pat oswalt saying a bunch of words that don't really make sense and then lead to the most basic ass piece of advice in the world and yeah. i'm just like oh yeah okay you could have just had peter what peter watching star wars and heard yoda say do or do not there is no try or whatever and like it would have been <laughs> like yeah it would have been the same like, right and like you said the outcome is still really good right like it still yeah. ends up being where it needs to be which is peter getting to the point of like the point is that i cannot give up i simply cannot even if i do get crushed i cannot give up so it gets to where it needs to go it's just while you're in the space where it's getting there, it's like there's just something off. And that is that the miscasting or miswriting, whichever one you want to attribute it to. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. Either way, it's basically I hope he just... gets cast in another Spider-Man show. 
I, I would like for yeah. him to have another chance at a character that makes more sense for him. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think he's he's in the MCU as some that's dude, true. right? Well, some badly CGI that dude. That doesn't make me feel better. I still I would know. like to see him somewhere else. <laughs> no, I'm, I was just, I was saying that defeatedly because I'm like, if he's in that, I don't know if he's going to end up. Bobby, I don't know. It still could happen, but I feel like that was like the second chance to get him into a Marvel yeah, thing, and maybe. that was the choice. And I don't know if I loved the choice, but we don't have to talk about that. <laughs> Different podcast that isn't us. Uh, yep, yep. <laughs> Least favorite post credit scene of any movie ever, basically. Yep. Anyway, all of this, basically, the whole flashback is Peter you know, lost a race or whatever. It's all about like Uncle Ben just being like, the only time you really lose is when you stop trying. So it is just literally like, just try. And Peter's like, I have to be the hero you see in me. I have to be Spider-Man. And he tries and he succeeds. And I, he, yeah. Robbie Damon yeah. sells the fuck out of that. He, Robbie Damon saves me. Have to be Spider Man. Like he saves that shit, all of like, that. I I that is the closest I've come to crying watching one of these shows that we've Aww. watched. Aww. Like because like mov- movies get me. Movies will always get me. If you watch a movie with me, I will be crying. But like the cartoons sure. usually don't. This fucking nearly got me i was like oh my gosh like i can feel it happening like he crushes this i have to say i mean we were you know for all the criticism we were lobbing on to Patton oswalt robbie damon really good spider-man really he's a very great. good very very top tier spider-man and I it agree. sucks that i don't think he's ever gonna get the credit that he really deserves just because of the weird reputation of this show. I don't know. I'm sure cast years... him again. I don't care. Yeah. I'm sure. <laughs> I mean, I think he's already been Spider-Man more than once. He was in Marvel. Discord, they all are, so yeah. yeah. So he'll be, he'll be, he'll continue. And he, I, well, he wasn't he in, uh, he was in the Lego one too. Right. So I, he'll, I think, yeah, yeah. He'll, they, he'll, they he'll, all do he will be Spider-Man for a while. Than once. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, this I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure we haven't seen the last of his him as Spider Man. He's young. He's gonna keep doing shit. But even still, I don't think that he's ever going to get the credit that he deserves of being Spider Man just because of the era in which he is Spider Man. Because he is Spider Man in the era of like the MCU and stuff like that, and the yeah. shadow of spectacular Spider Man and stuff like that. He's never gonna get the credit he deserves. And I think that that's a bummer because I think he really is truly a top tier. Spider-Man. He is very, very good. And honestly, I think he's and improved. that's including the live action people. I'm that's not, including the live like, action people. I don't want to yeah. be unclear. Like, of yeah. all, like, I'm not separating them here. Like, yeah. of the people who have portrayed Spider-Man, Robbie Damon is top tier. And I think he has improved over the course of the show, too. I think yeah. early, in, and part of that is because of how he was written earlier in the show. And as the show has gotten more dramatic, I think he has like continued to like live up to what they're asking for. I yeah. think he's like nailed it every time. I don't think that there's been an episode where I feel like Robbie Damon isn't nailing it. Like I think that he right. gets the character that he's playing. You know, what's wild is like, it, it's almost certain that they are not all recording together. Like that's not how that's not how voiceover works typically. Sure. But it feels like Robbie Damon and Max Middleman are, they, they did say in an, in an I remember, they did say in an interview earlier on, I think like Najee Jeter said, that like they do record okay. together sometimes. So you knew exactly where I was going with this. It feels like Robbie Damon and Max Middleman are pushing each other in that yeah. particular way that actors can like push each other, you know, like yeah. it feels like they are witnessing each other's performance and like trying to match and surpass it. Like they just, I don't know if they, if, if any of this is stuff that they witnessed each other acting, 
but it feels like they have like elevated each other over the course of these two episodes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if, if some of the recording that happens together is between the two of them. Yeah. They're both very good. They, they, they both kind of carry the show, honestly. <laughs> God, it's so good. It's so yeah. good. And I, again, I can understand if you didn't want another Peter and Harry story of which there aren't that many that are good. Yeah. I, I get where you might not be into it, but like, come on, give it a second chance. If you didn't, if you didn't mm-hmm. already, it's so good. For sure, for sure. So Spider-Man has now been properly inspired, right? By his flashback, he tosses the Skyway to the side, which as as serious and impactful as this scene is, I do find it very funny that he just like tosses the Skyway to the side. I don't know what else he would do with it, but I still chuckled. <laughs> um, and he saves everyone on the bus. So everybody is fine, luckily. Moments later, this is what I was referencing. <laughs> This is what I was referencing. I hate this Moments so much. later, like the moment the Skyway lands on the ground, Ugh. Miles, suited up as Spider Man, shows up and says, Hey, Spider Man, I'm here now. And Spider Man was like, Oh, great. But also, like, Hobgoblin got away. And Miles is like, Don't worry about it. I planted a spider tracer on him. I just figured like helping you would be more important than chasing him, which is so frustrating. Again, I am fine that we got the final chapter thing. It is good that we got the final chapter thing. It nearly made me cry. I love it a lot. But to have Miles explicitly say, I thought it was more important to help my friend than chase the villain and not have him be there to help fix this problem. Shows up to do nothing characteristic of how this show has neglected miles. He really like, showed up to do. Nothing. It would have made more sense for him to have tried to chase hobgoblin and then circle back because he <sighs> lost him because then you can, you can have your cake and eat it too. You can have your final chapter moment and explain why miles wasn't there to help lift the sky way. Like it, it just, this, I think you're right. I really do think you're right. And it makes me really, really sad. I think you're right in that the show is just not interested in telling Miles stories, which is a huge bummer. But I think it helps me understand yeah. why this keeps happening. He like, really, they it really, feels like they're yeah. obligated to include him as Spider-Man. Not when he's Miles. When he's yeah. Miles, it feels very good and very natural. I love their portrayal and the way they write Miles Morales. But when they have to make him Spider-Man, it really, really feels like it is an afterthought. And it is so frustrating. And this yeah, is like it, the epitome of it. It feels like it's like they're they're including him out of spite because it's just like, oh, I he'll know. he'll show up. He's not going to do anything. He's going to show up right after all the action happens and do and literally nothing and leave. It's honestly like this episode because it feels different in this episode than it does in every other episode of the show, even though I think yeah. it characterizes what they've been doing this whole time. It feels like they've heard what you and I have been saying all throughout yeah. the season since Miles got powers and have said, fine, here you go. We will write the explanation and I don't care if you like it or not. You probably won't. Like, it's just like, <sighs> okay, yes, we were asking for explanations for where Miles was. You have just somehow given us all the worst ones. <laughs> What if, what if, what if, Doug, this is conspiracy theory, all speculation. Give it to me. I love I it. I am being utterly irresponsible by saying this about another human being that oh, no. maybe exists in real life. What if Ken and Kevin Shinnick just doesn't like Miles or really didn't want to include him in the show or didn't want to include him as well, Spider-Man in the show? And this is his last, this is his last episode. I don't know if he knew that this would be his last episode, but 
for all intents and purposes, this does turn out to be his last episode. What if as a swan song, he's just sort of like, they forced me to include Miles as Spider-Man and I didn't want to. So this is me doing this out of spite just to be annoying. I mean, okay, here's the Doesn't thing. it like feel like I, that's possible? Yes. I, okay, that's the perfect way to put it. It feels very possible. It's hard to say whether that's actually happening or not, but it feels possible because it really does make Miles feel like a fool. Like it, it makes it him does. seem like he is incapable. He's fucking useless in this episode. Not just useless, incapable of making decisions that are optimal. Incapable of doing it, right? Yeah. Because in both situations, it's not just that he turns to Peter, it's that he is incapable of making a decision that would be optimal for the situation. So yeah. like when Peter is asked explicitly should i do crowd control or should i help you we have seen that peter is not good at accepting other superheroes help right so it mm. makes sense that he is going to to, to sideline miles that is in character for peter mm. in this case though he is not asking peter for anything he has made the decision on his own to both not follow goblin and not help peter like I, I think there is a potential validity there. I think you're right. It is we're not we're not putting that on Kevin Shinnick. We are no, just proposing it as And I'm like not making a moral a judgment potential. either. I'm not saying that he's like a bad person and hates Miles the character. No, of course not. But I do think but, that. But there if he could had be... a specific vision for the show he wanted yeah. to create and somebody interjected and yeah. said, You need to include Miles, I get it. That's a frustrating thing to experience as an artist, right? Yeah. Yeah, come on the podcast and talk about it, Kevin. We'll hash it out. We'll figure it out, man. <laughs> I don't know what you're doing. I'm sure you're busy, but, you know. We say as we are multiple drinks in. <laughs> I, I'm only one. A big one, but only one. Well, I um, mean, I've technically not finished my glass. I just keep refilling it. So I think that's one. Okay, sure. <laughs> that's unhealthy. unhealthy way to think about things, but sure. Um, I would love yeah. to no, but this show I have so many questions about. So I actually, it would be great, right, to get some clarity on some of that stuff. Um, because not, I mean, not even just <laughs> yeah. the mile stuff. Like it's not like we're gonna take anyone to task for that. But like there have been plenty of things we've touched down on and said like I would love to understand how this happened this way. I mean, Stealth yeah. Spider is a great example, right? Yeah, and just because of the time in which the show came out, um, you know, because not a lot of people are paying attention to the cartoons or paying attention to the movies there's not a lot of interviews about it really that, that are just, you know, the official press release ones in like variety or whatever about, you know, about like they're making miles Spider-Man now and everyone's happy about it. Like nobody's really done deep dive. I feel like we're probably one of the only, one of the only outlets at all or platforms that have really done a deep dive into the show in the way that we have, you know, like people aren't really doing big retrospectives and stuff about mm -hmm. it, at least not yet, you know? Well, watch so out. I just, Maybe we'll reach out, see what happens. I really, yeah, I really want to hear more from the creators of this show. You <laughs> Me know? too. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So he yeah. has <laughs> saved the bus, right? Yeah. And we have dealt, at least for the time being, with the miles of it all. I think this is the last miles of it all we have to deal with for this yeah, season. I think, we, I think that we have more than set our piece about right. the miles of it all at this right. point. So Peter shares with Miles. I I would love to hear your impression of this or your okay. your your reaction to this. Peter shares with Miles that Harry Osborne is the Hobgoblin. Before we get into Miles' response, like any thoughts on him just being like, "Hey, by the way, Harry Osborne is a Hobgoblin." Um, you know, I didn't really think about it at the time because I think I was more focused on Miles' response, which I thought was really funny. Yeah. But like, I think uh, it does feel like a kind of 
like irresponsible outing of someone, but feels also like a bit of a betrayal. <laughs> feels like a bit of a betrayal. But Harry but doesn't seem as concerned about it. It seems like a thing. Harry, like, that's what I was just gonna say. Yeah. I don't think. I think. I think the secret identity thing. I think has been pretty clearly established at this point that among everyone in the cast, Peter is the only one that really cares deeply about the secret identity okay. stuff. Literally, no one else does. That actually so. makes me feel a lot better about it. I'm glad that I asked you because, like, I was sort of upset with Peter for doing that. But like now that we're talking about it, it actually. It feels better to be reminded that like he's the one who told Harry, don't tell anyone. I think, too, the situation is very dire because now, you know, un- Peter, Peter's understanding is that Harry is in the hobgoblin suit and is doing all of this, even subconsciously. And in this case, Harry put a ton of innocent people in danger. It wasn't just him trying to kill Spider-Man. Yeah, there was yeah, a bus yeah. full of people that almost died because of Harry. So I think for Peter, too, the stakes are very high. So it's just sort of like, I think Miles needs to know all yeah. the information. Here. By any means necessary, we need to yeah. figure this out. Yeah, okay, that's yeah. that's a good point, too. I hadn't really thought about that. Yeah. Um, because at this point, I mean... I, I, to be clear at this point, even though I was considering many possibilities, like I think that the, sh- the show mm-hmm. has made it abundantly clear that there is something wrong with when Harry shows up, if it is Harry at all. Yeah. Um, and they heavily imply that it is potentially not Harry. So, okay. That, yeah. That's good. That's good. Yeah. And we got the, uh, you know, the voice changer thing coming mm-hmm. into play here too. So <laughs> mm-hmm. this other thing though, you, you, you were talking about this a little, or you would reference this. I think it's this. very, very funny. It's very, very funny. But at the same time, I was like, this just reminds me of every time anyone comes out and they're just like, bitch, I know. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Girl, we've been new. Like... <laughs> But it actually does make sense. I like that the show is willing to acknowledge this. When Peter tells Miles that Harry is the goblin, Miles is just like, yeah, I kind of figured considering all of his tech is literally the same stuff that Harry used to work on at Horizon (laughs) Eye. Like we watched him do this, which kind of like it sort of um, it sort of tracks that then Anya and Gwen also probably know that it is Harry. And honestly, anybody at the very least who shared a hallway lab with Harry also probably knows the hobgoblin is Harry. Like, it's really funny when you consider Spider-Man was trying to be like, Oh, you can't tell anyone. Hobgoblin could have easily been like, bitch, everyone already knows. (laughs) Yeah. I like that. It's funny. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, this, okay, well, let's get back to the frustrating stuff. Miles offers to help Peter confront hobgoblin. And Peter's like, no, actually I'd rather you don't. It's not over. I thought we were done with I Miles. Thought we were I done. forgot about this part. I did too. I forgot as well. I know we tried to close the chapter on it, so we won't <gasps> dig deeper into it too much. But Miles explicitly offers to help, and Peter says no. And then says, if I can't reach Harry on my own, then I am not the friend I thought I was. And this is a little bit frustrating considering the messaging of this very episode, because technically, according to to Peter's own logic, Miles should just decide to help anyway. Like, you, oh, yeah. you are my friend. I need to help you help your friend. You shouldn't, he shouldn't take no for an answer. Exactly. I mean, I know what they're doing here, and we've talked to death about it. Yeah. But even within the episode... I don't like it. Give him a better reason. Have Miles investigate something and then have him off screen right, doing it. Right. Even if it goes nowhere, at least I'm doing something. Right. Instead, he's well, just going to go home and watch TV, look, I guess. I don't know. Dude, at this point, Peter knows that Harry's been experimenting on himself. Send Miles back to Anya and Gwen to try to, to investigate what's going on with Harry. Come yeah. up with possible solutions. Come up with possible outcomes. Like, what do you think? Can we try to figure out what Harry did to himself? Like, give them science to do. 
Yeah, no, Miles, just go home to your fucking mushy meatloaf or whatever. Like, <laughs> Jesus. The meatloaf and cookies, baby. <laughs> meatloaf and cookies. Good God. Uh, God, I can't talk about Miles anymore. <laughs> I can't move on. Well, then on. let's talk about how frustrating on. it is that Peter has continued this mindset, and I really hope that in the second season it is addressed. It he continues to sideline people, and I need the second season to um, allow him to reflect on it or force him to reflect on it. Yeah. Yeah. I know it's not what the season is currently about, so I get it. It could be a thing that makes more sense in a second season when they actually get to the team dynamic, but... Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right, let's keep going because we've got some pretty dense stuff to talk about. (laughs) So Spider-Man traces Hobgoblin to the Oscorp lab where Norman held him and Craven captive in Craven's Amazing Hunt. Didn't that like blow up though in that episode? Well, yes. Yeah. No, it did. It did. And this is this. um, They acknowledge it. He says, I thought this place was destroyed, but it looks like someone's been here. Wow. So you're right. You clocked that. I totally didn't miss all of that. All right. (laughs) No, he, I mean, he remembers. He definitely remembers. (laughs) Either way, it's stockpiled with hobgoblin weapons and equipment now. So it's the whole hobgoblin layer at this point. Yeah. Um, he's quickly discovered by Hobgoblin, who, of course, immediately attacks Spider-Man, accuses Spidey of hogging all the heroism and taking credit for curing Spider Island. Which and- are things Harry has explicitly accused Peter of doing. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I agree. I agree. Um, yeah, so it feels authentic, but then Hobgoblin manages to catch Spider-Man, and just as he does, Harry Osborn, in his Hobgoblin armor, shambles in, head in his hands, convinced he's blacked out again. What? So now there's a Harry and a and a Goblin, even though we thought they were one and the same. Okay. Serious, spectacular Spider-Man deja vu right now. Can I tell you what my my number one theory to this point was okay. I thought, and this is fucked up. I thought Norman Osborn was putting Harry in the suit and controlling him in the suit in a similar way to the black suit controlling Spider-Man. I thought he was puppeting Harry oh, Osborn mind control there. We've established mind control that Ock was using that Jackal and Jackal also use. It would make right. sense just to complete that with Norman Osborn using mind control. Right. In either yeah. case though, I didn't, I was, I was genuinely surprised when Harry walked in with a hobgoblin costume on Yeah, me because too. even though I knew Norman, I, okay, I'm spoiling like two beats ahead, it's but fine. even though Whatever, I knew that Norman was potentially the hobgoblin in this episode, I thought, that the likely outcome was that he was simply controlling the suit with Harry inside of well, it. Which they've done a very good job yes. of Norman seeming to be completely separate from all the events. He's and been in a, a wheelchair, wheelchair the entire, the entire episode. time. <laughs> yeah, it seems like he is still sickly and everything. Yeah. I think the episode has done a very good job by just by convincing you that it that Norman is just sick the entire time. It's not, it's not the, it's not the complete like rug pull that spectacular Spider-Man did because that was over literally two seasons. Right. Um, but it is, it is, I think considering this all happens over the course of literally one episode, I think it is surprised. It, it, it surprised me how well constructed it ultimately was. It's still like weird that they're kind of doing like a slightly like, like I don't want to say worse, but like, you know, a slightly like less complex version of what spectacular Spider-Man did almost exactly, but a it's streamlined. a streamline, a streamline version. Yeah. <laughs> um, I do, you know, I mean, spectacular Spider-Man, it's on its own other level of ambition for like, you know, the, the long well, game they were playing. Okay. So what they're doing is, so, is very different here, but, but I think that that almost made it like harder for me, 
in in a good way because I was sort of like, well, I already know that Spectacular Spider-Man did it. They're not they're not going to do exactly the same thing, and technically they don't, but they also kind of do. But it made me like refuse to believe that it could be Norman Osborn in the suit because I'm sort of like, but they wouldn't just do that again. See? But then they do, but it's still different. <laughs> so like, it's it, I like that. I like this that. is what Goblin stories do to brains. You know what I mean? Yeah, which is fun. It's fun. It, it and I you know like it can be frustrating, but it's also very fun. Yeah. Um, I think for me, it's kind of exciting because when you, when, when this show does something like this, it kind of like solidifies, not that this wasn't already the case, but it sort of like re solidifies spectaculars like place in like the, the overall like massive lore of Spider-Man, right? It's sort of like Venom stories being inspired by what the nineties cartoon did or like man spider sort of being birthed from what the nineties cartoon did. Like, I think that's really cool. Like, does it necessarily live up to or match um, a lot of the ambition that spectacular did? No, but like as an homage to it, like I feel like you have to be something really special to even warrant an homage. So it's really, I I don't know. I think it's really cool, but yeah, maybe that's because uh, it helps me everything i do at this point is like, <laughs> like <laughs> clarifying my uh my my viewing of spectacular so um but i don't know i thought it was i thought it was really really cool yeah yeah because they could have pulled from so many other stories and it does really feel like they pulled from spectacular oh it absolutely does yeah because i mean I, you know obviously the goblin mysteries have been a thing but i just just the the there's too many similarities to spectacular i mean in the show as a whole but especially in the story i feel like yeah. it had to be you know and the fact that josh keaton is norman osborne in this show i think also you know like Doesn't the hurt. connections are there yeah <laughs> i feel like that that they had to be doing that with awareness i i don't think that they were oblivious to that because because it is just too similar to yeah. the spectacular Spider-Man story. Yeah. Um, in a way that it feels like it's like paying homage to how great it was rather than saying. just ripping. It's not like ripping it. Not just, yeah. it not, it's not just that they're ripping it off or whatever. It's just sort of like, that's a good story that we're kind of adapting into our own continuity. Yeah. It's kind of like there are these specific points in the entirety of Spider-Man lore that sort mm-hmm. of transcend their particular title and become yeah. an established sort of like not universal because nothing is yeah, but yeah. the sort of like this is the the most canon version of the canon yeah. and we kind of talked about that with the final chapter right like it seems like every version does a final chapter or it seems even like more the so, 90s show really really inspired yeah. how venom was handled moving that's forward. what i was gonna say yeah right and so i feel like clearly spectacular spider-man did something with goblin and that's a little tougher to tackle because that was instantly iconic um but it does feel like it 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 it, it left its mark certainly on mm-hmm. how a goblin story can be handled. Yeah. Yeah. Cause yeah. Cause what we see here, you know, Harry walks in, there's obviously two hobgoblins. So Harry's obviously not hobgoblin further solidified when hobgoblins like, I'm going to find out your identity, Spider-Man and Spider-Man's like, I love that. Wow. You definitely aren't, <laughs> aren't Harry. Okay. He manages to slip away from the hobgoblin and web off his mask, as Spider-Man often does, to goblins, revealing, of course, Norman Osborn. At this point, I mean, when when Harry walks in, at this point, I'm like, the only person it could be is Norman Osborn. They've literally left no other clues. It's either that or it's a robot or something. (laughs) Right, right. Or an empty suit or something. Yeah. Yeah, Like, as much as I wanted Stealth Spider to be somebody we hadn't seen before, because I feel like that was an opportunity to introduce a character, this would have been ridiculous to be anybody other than Harry or Norman. Of course. But it's just, 
I don't, man, it just, it really, the moment they reveal it to be Norman and the moment Harry sees that it is Norman, like, this is all the stuff that I wanted people to put a pin in because it clarifies a lot of situations. If we go back to where Norman Osborne finds Harry Osborne lying on the ground in his own bedroom with the suit on, there is no explanation for that other than Norman Osborne set that up. He put yeah. Harry in the costume and put him on the floor and then showed him news stories of his own actions and told Harry that it was him. Like this mm-hmm. is this is why I say like this cartoon, this kids cartoon about superheroes does a better job explaining the severity and insidiousness and ongoing calculated maneuvering mm-hmm. that is gaslighting than people do explaining it on Twitter. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, I agree. I agree. And I think too, I think it's worth, worth mentioning, Leo, we didn't talk about it because it wasn't top of mind, but like, that's a lot of what Norman does to Terry and spectacular Spider-Man too, yeah, just because yeah, of how sure. similar these stories are. Um, I think the memification of the word has really skyrocketed in the past has. year. <laughs> it has. Yeah. So it wasn't online, but I mean like, yeah, I, I think if it, if it was a different time when we were covering that, we would have called out, like the major gaslighting that Norman yeah. does to Harry over an even more prolonged period of time in that show. Oh my show. gosh, for sure. Um, like a ridiculously long time, literally making Harry think that he had like, that he was, I mean, Harry was addicted to a drug in that case, but like making him the effects, making like him convincing him that the effects of it were wildly different yeah. than they actually were. And like having to live with that and be recovering from that trauma for like, a year or so not i guess not a year like six months because it's like not until the end of the second season that he realizes that Mm -hmm. that wasn't the case the entire time like that's so fucked up and in this case it's 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 over a quicker period of time but like i think it's even more calculated because at the very least in spectacular spider-man there was a lot of norman kind of thinking on the seat of his pants as he learned what what Harry, you know, as he learned that Harry was drinking the green and everything, deciding in that moment, I'm going to put Harry in the costume and frame him essentially. In this episode, it's the entire episode that Norman apparently comes up with the idea of like, I'm going to do this to Harry. And he does it like, and he implements it, which is honestly a little bit more true to life, I think, where it's like... it, it, it is that, but it's not the first time Norman has done things like this to Harry. Right? That's true. Because yeah. He, again, gaslighting is, it's not gaslighting just by lying or just by manipulating, yeah. but Norman did orchestrate Harry being expelled from school and then created yeah. an entire situation around why that happened, built an entire school and a, a reality within that school simply to build Harry's experience and perspective in a particular direction so that he could then carry out these types of things and manipulate Harry into doing what Norman wanted against the wishes of Harry and literally everyone close to Harry. Yeah. Yeah. It's very very fucked up. And if people don't real, like if people aren't familiar with where the term gaslight comes from, it comes from a movie where a husband specifically manufactures a situation to make his wife feel like she has lost her mind in order to steal from her and like make no one believe anything she says. That's what Norman's doing. You know what I mean? Like he's creating a a false reality in order to unstabilize or destabilize Mm -hmm. rather Harry's understanding of the world around him. It's massively fucked. And I think the way that the thing that makes it more sinister Two and again, also kind of more true to life in a way that's very different from the spectacular Spider-Man version of the story 
is a lot of what Norman does as he's breaking down Harry is like building him back up yes. in his own way, oh in his God. own image. It's so like, gross. It is very much like kind of feeding into like he recognizes the comp the, the sort of hero complex and inferiority complex that Harry has. And he feeds into that in a way that makes him makes it seem like he is a positive figure and positive force in his life. Right. Like in the same way that like if you are in an abusive relationship where gaslighting is involved, even if it isn't involved, a lot of times like those codependent kind of relationships or abusive relationships come from like the abuser really manipulating you into thinking like, no, I know you best and I know what's best for you because I know you best and I'm the only one who can give that to you. And that's a lot of what Norman gives to Harry because it's sort of like you're my son you're an osborne where i'm doing this for you i'm doing this to make you the hero i know you were always destined to be i know you can be a hero harry i know that you can be like you know one of the best people in in this city but only i can make that happen for you only i know what that true vision is for you see how everything else you've done has failed see how everything you know see how you how you were kicked out of horizon high see how everyone else is against you see how the whole world is trying is like trying to like make you not be the hero mm-hmm. that I see in you. Only I can make you into the hero you want to be. Like that is, that is just like, you know, kind of textbook abuser, right? Like just making it seem like the abuser is the only person that can be a positive force in the abused person's life. Yeah. And if you're sitting here listening to this and wondering like Doug, Derek, like this is a superhero cartoon and Norman Osborn is a super villain known for like being cold and calculated Yes, exactly. That's the point is is that gaslighting is actually like an incredibly calculated and insidious thing to do. And it sounds like the both of us are very much in agreement that you shouldn't trivialize it because then it it minimizes that experience. Right. So like that's why as as silly as it might seem to compare a real life thing to a superhero cartoon, like that's the actual severity of it. Like it's mm-hmm. actually that dastardly and yeah. that abusive that it can be compared to a show like this. Well, I don't think, you know, and I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if the writers weren't thinking of any of this stuff when they were writing it either. Some of them might've been most of them. Probably of course weren't. I would be shocked but, if they were like, let's comment on gaslighting, but like inherently, like when you're writing these types of manipulative characters, that's, that's, that's just what they're doing. Right. Like that, that is just what it is. And I think, you know, oh, absolutely. sometimes it's, sometimes it's, it's very incidental that it comes together, you know, really well. Sometimes it's it's a failure because they're not thinking of through that. In this situation, I do think that it's like just because of how they're writing what, you know, is is kind of in a lot of ways a typical supervillain kind of story, a typical Osborne kind of story, but just so because of the way they've crafted it inherently there's going to be real world parallels that you can pull from it because they're trying to write these characters as real humans would behave in those situations. Mm-hmm. And it's just the way that all of these things work out. It is just what you're going to find in, in this sort of abusive, uh, a, a sort of relationship that you'd have in this case, a abusive, uh, familial relationship between yeah, a father a and a son, to a child, yeah. a parent to a child. And, and it is possible for a parent to gaslight their child. Oh and yeah. I, you know, obviously in real life, there aren't like, super villains and superheroes and hobgoblin mech suits involved or whatever. But like the actions that Norman is taking towards his son are, are analogous to things that you can see in the real world. Even if they are a little more in broad strokes and boiled down into one twenty-two minute cartoon. Like I think that the examples you can kind of pull from it are important mm-hmm. uh, and things that you can apply to your real life. I think for, so too. Every once yeah. in a while, you and I get the opportunity to talk about a cartoon that really, like, 
either intentionally or not tackle something we can learn a lot from and i know there's so much going on at such a high speed in this episode that you might not necessarily sit down and think like in the Mm -hmm. way that you would with the hydro man episode think like oh this is an episode that addresses gaslighting in the way that that one very clearly addresses stalking but i do think they both do something really valuable um in presenting these situations as wrong and scary and dangerous and manipulative yeah absolutely absolutely so in short at the very least, stop memifying gaslight. <laughs> Please, for the love of God. Please, yeah. we are begging. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <sighs> I'm only laughing because it's such an impossible task, it feels like, at this point. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, I think, I honestly, it's at a point where you just need a new word because it's just been completely ruined at this point. It, it sucks. I'm going to keep fighting, though. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. So Harry does <laughs> ask Norman a very simple, and I love that it's so simple, just why? Like valid he, question he he gets what's going like he he sees what has happened and all mm-hmm. he can ask is why are you doing this and norman explains that he pretended to be harry as the hobgoblin to in his words fulfill harry's destiny and that he created oz academy to mold him to encourage him to turn him into something better and it is worth noting harry did not know that any of this was norman's intent So you can see at the very least how manipulative this is. Mm -hmm. Norman also says that he wanted to create a, quote, hero for the new generation, whatever that means, but that Spider-Man stole that role from Harry, to which Harry responds, and now you are stealing it from me, which I think is an interesting response. Yeah, I think so, too. It really highlights the fact that Harry never feels like he has full agency. Yeah, no, I agree. And this is the whole secret. I mean, Norman does this or not Norman. Harry does call out like this, this, like the full circle of like the horizon high suspension. Right. In this, isn't this, this is like the moment where they do that. Yeah. Because Harry's never fully bought that. Right. Harry's never, because Harry's never been presented with proof. Peter has seen the proof, but he's never been able to reproduce it. And so Harry's like, okay, great. Like you're my friend, but like, stop with that. Yeah. It clicks into place here. It makes it very, very clear that Peter was right the whole time. Yeah, well, like I said, and like I said, just the full circle of it. I love that that's going back right to the beginning, the very first episode yeah. of the show, or the first Bravo. two-parter of the show, uh, that it's finally like, no, this this these dominoes were were established very early and have been steadily falling uh, the entire time uh, to get to this moment. And yeah, I think just, just the idea of like... All of this. Well, yeah, because Norman is explaining that like he took over the hob- took over the role as the Hobgoblin because he knew Harry couldn't h- kill Spider-Man. But as long as a Hobgoblin did it, Harry could take the credit. So it's like so clear that like all this time Norman's talking about like Harry being a hero and being proud of Harry for being the hero he always knew he could be. But it's not about like actually doing heroic acts at all. It is just... Like he's fine with with taking with Harry taking the credit for what Norman does because at the end of the day it's just about the Osborne name and like I'm sure that a secret identity wouldn't be involved as the Hobgoblin thing it would just be like look at the amazing things the Osbournes have done for the city mm-hmm. which at the end of the day is just about Norman's legacy ergo all of this is fully just about Norman Harry has nothing to do with this this is not about what Harry can or can't do or or does or doesn't want it is just what Norman wants for Harry and what can then feedback into like the great what the great norman osborne has created which is like so incredibly fucked up yep and max middleman once again kills this interaction where he says this was never about you or never about me this was always about you like 
Yep. Really, really great stuff. True, like sociopathic narcissist is what he's yep. really dealing with. Which, it's you funny know- too because we knew this was coming, right? There were so yeah. many times where we were like, "This Norman, like, I'm waiting for the moment where I can officially hate this Norman Osborn." Because it always happens. There's always a moment yeah. where you're like, "There it is. That's where you are the worst." <laughs> Yeah. And they really draw it out. Like, you know, he's doing bad things. You know, he's being manipulative, but it's really like the low to which he will sink is clarified here in this episode. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Oh, boy. So, yeah. Um, Harry accuses Norman, of course, of like, like you said, orchestrating everything for his own gain. And Harry's like, we did it for the Osborne name, which is what we were just talking about. But he forcibly grabs Harry at this point. So Spider-Man attempts to step in, seeing that his Harry's dad is actually like attempting to physically assault him somehow. Uh, but Norman uses one of his electromagnetic pumpkin bomb restraints on Spider-Man and traps him against a nearby wall. And with Spider-Man trapped, Norman advances toward him with the flame sword. But Harry pulls him away with an electric beam, slamming Norman into this massive piece of piece of lab equipment that collapses, trapping Norman, rupturing a tank of green liquid, starting a fire. So now we have Norman trapped under a bunch of lab equipment around a fire and Spider-Man trapped with this like electric thing against a wall. All Harry has to like make a choice, essentially. (laughs) Now, this is remember when I said this show has a habit of repeating beats, but I often don't care because what they're actually doing in the moment is very good Mm -hmm. this is a prime example of this sure we have seen norman osborne trapped under equipment surrounded by fire with volatile chemicals we have seen somebody in a position where they have to choose who they have to save one of which is norman osborne but this is so good yeah that i'm just like on the edge of my seat like please directly give it to me it's like better right to my eyeballs <laughs> it's a lot better than the, than the first time not saying yeah. the first time was bad i think that was a very that was very well done yeah um, but i wouldn't have been mad if they got rid of that and made this the only one yeah if i had to choose this would be the yeah, one because this is much better and i feel like I, I do feel like the whole show at this point has been leading up to this yep yep yeah. it's great because harry is presented like you said with a choice uh, to save his best friend against his father's wish or save his father and kill Spider-Man. Those are the things being presented to him by Spider-Man and Norman. Ultimately, though, and I love this because Harry has dealt with feelings of having no agency throughout the entire series. Like, that's a thing he's had to contend with. Ultimately, he decides to help Norman. And then he grabs the flame sword and he walks towards Spider-Man, but he cuts Spider-Man loose. So he decides, I'm going to save you both which is a thing that (laughs) Spider-Man usually has to try to do, right? So it's cool. Again, we talk about how this season is so much more about Harry than Spider-Man. I mean, one of the biggest moments in the finale of the season is Harry Osborn doing the thing that Spider-Man is frequently having to do, which is figure out a way to save two people at once. Like, come on, this show. Come on. (laughs) It's so cool. Like, And it's just a thing, even though we knew that this show was focusing so much on Harry... Even up to like two weeks ago, right? Like even during Spider Island, we were still talking about how much it was focusing on Harry. Yeah. I really feel like this two-part finale clarifies like, oh no, this whole season was actually just about Harry. They're giving the biggest moments, these like Spider-Man analogous moments to Harry Osborn instead. Yeah. Yeah. It's really fucking cool. Yeah. It's It's really, really great. Never would have expected it. Nope. Nope. So, I mean, obviously, this is unexpected to the both of them. Spider-Man obviously expected him to 
this is this is harsh, but it probably expected him to leave Norman and save him. And Norman obviously expected Harry to kill Spider-Man and save Norman. But he did both. So he turns back to Norman and he says, I can't, Dad. I mean, I won't. And I love that because it is a moment where Harry is acknowledging and taking ownership of his own yeah. agency. Like he is saying, I have agency and I am going to really take advantage of it. Saying that he can't is is admitting that there are external forces, right? That are preventing him from doing it. Clarifying that he won't is saying, I have made this choice on my own, regardless of what the two of you, not just Norman, but the two of you have encouraged me to do. And I love it for him. It's too. really great. It's good. This is Pretty another good. moment where I got like kind of emotional where I was like, Harry. Yeah. It's, it's great good stuff, man. I like it. Norman's yeah. response to that though. Jesus. Holy shit. Fucking Christ. Especially considering what it's, happens the moment after he says yeah, it. It really is like, but this, this really is just like true norm. It's like this, this whole show. It's been surprising how, how much he has told Harry that he's like proud of him and hasn't been like, you're a failure son, which is what every Dude. other woman does. And I think it's because they've been saving it for this yes. moment. You know what it is? It's like, we've continued to take off like a layer at a time, expecting to eventually get down to like the bare bones of it. And yeah. every time we take a layer off, it's like, Oh, there's another layer. And then we take yeah. another one off. We're like, Oh, Oh, interesting. Like I thought that would be the one. There's another layer. Yeah. Finally, we've gotten to the bare bones of like who Norman Osborn is. Yeah. And it he took really, us so many layers. Yeah. It is a Norman. He really, truly at the end of the day, does not care about Harry because he really is just like a true narcissist. And he, all of his care about Harry was fake because he needed someone to like, you know, continue his legacy and shit. Right. So Norman responds to Harry refusing to kill his best friend being then you failed me and deserve what you've wrought. Jesus Christ, Norman. Yeah. Asshole. <laughs> it's like, I don't have words. I know. Like, it's, it's such, it's such a, a horrible, horrible thing, th- thing to say to your son. It's a horrible thing to say to your son, especially after revealing everything you've done yeah. to shatter his reality. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. he has for months now shaped harry's perspective into something completely false and and harry's just learned all of this and then delivers this like you suck norman you fucking suck so much and and like i said we've been waiting for the moment where we can just unabashedly be like fuck you norman osborne you are just absolutely the scum of the earth yeah here it is (laughs) truly one of the more uh evil norman osborne's I feel like that we've seen. I think that's really true. I really think think that's true, which is wild because I don't think on first watch or casual watch, it would feel that way. But when you really, when you really dig into the things he's done, like he is horrible. Yeah. Because everything that he's done has been very insidious, you know, and very like he's, he very much does play the long game. I think, I think he and spectacular Spider-Man are like up there. Um, oh, I think yeah. Norman, the Nor- the thing about Norman and Spectacular Spider-Man is that like he's a lot more outwardly evil to yeah. everyone all the time and he just does more evil things. So like he's more, he's like worse for that. But like this Norman is like so insidious and like pretending to be such a nice guy for such a long time to everyone, you know? And so many other Normans, I think, that we've seen in animation have been kind of, they've tried to play him sympathetic in one way or another, played up the multiple personality of it all or something like that. Um, Or, you know, or he's just been like silly or something. I think that's a good point because this Norman is not, this Norman is not the, like the Raimi Norman where mm -hmm. like you can very clearly sit there and say like, 
here is the Norman that we had before, and here's the yeah. the separate broken off piece of Norman that or is. the nineties show Norman either is yeah, the same totally. Way. Or or any of the eighties versions too. He's yep. very he's got split personalities yep. in that one too. Yep. The reveal of Norman in the comics very much handled like very much treats mm-hmm. it this way, right? Like there's this separate entity. This Norman, they have not established at any point that there is a separate version of Norman doing this. This is who Norman Osborn is. Yeah. And I like that. I mean, again, that's why it kind of sets him alongside the spectacular version. Yep. Where it is just like a just unsympathetic, irredeemable, horrible narcissist person (laughs) they're just truly horrible to just bad to their core they're honestly real world villains like these are the types of people that could exist in the real world obviously the things that they're doing are affected by the fact that they live in a comic book inspired world which is like true soul rot (laughs) exactly the things that the the things that motivate them to do those things are things that can exist in the real world it's that exact soul rot right like People can be this rotten and this narcissistic and this sociopathic in the real world. You know, we probably attribute it to more people than is appropriate, but like they exist. (laughs) Yep. Oh boy. He sucks. Yeah. (laughs) So, and then in addition to saying that like horrible thing to his son, then the green liquid, of course, you know, meets the flames and explodes right behind them. Uh, presumably blowing Norman to smithereens and nothing else. He's obviously not going to come back as a green goblin later on. Super dead. There's no vaporized. Yeah. Yeah. As we've seen, you know, it's not like he's survived being blown up before. Right. (laughs) Like I said, (laughs) repeat beats. (laughs) Uh I just, I can't imagine, even though Harry just had this moment of clarity and is able to finally see all the things that his father has done to him, it still would fuck you up to have your father say, you have failed me and you deserve everything that you've wrought. And then that's the last thing he says before he dies. Like that's fucked up. Horrible. Horrible. (laughs) It's honestly a wonder that like Harry functions even remotely okay for the rest of the episode Uh, i know that time is ambiguous from here on out but like yeah that that should fuck you up and understandably so forever (laughs) pretty much yep (laughs) yeah i mean they do get out you know harry is tries to run toward the exploded norman but spider-man like intercepts him when a chunk of the ceiling falls on him almost uh and they escape just as flames engulf the entire lab Yes. Yes. So big old explosion. Mm -hmm. Like I said, time, very ambiguous, unclear in this episode and typically in this series, maybe days later, maybe weeks later. Honestly, based on the way Harry's acting, I would say months later, but that is unrealistic based on what they're talking about. Uh Um, It is impossible to know. But sometime later, Harry is sitting in what is now his office because it cuts directly from the explosion to... Harry Osborne's office and he receives word from his butler that there are condolences on the voicemail, which is a very short way of telling us that the world believes Norman Osborne is dead, including Harry for the um, second time now, <laughs> for the second time. Right. And, and, and almost the third, remember like he almost watched this happen a third, like a, a second time already. Mm-hmm. Um, and the butler says, Peter's here. <laughs> so, Hey, by the way, you've got condolences on your uh, voicemail, but also don't worry about it because Peter's here. Harry handles it pretty well, which is why I feel like this this is longer than I think they want it to be. Uh, Peter's actually, or not Peter, Harry's actually like coping outwardly pretty well. 
Uh, we'll see if that maintains in the second season, like how much this has affected him. But for the time being, he seems like pretty at peace. Peter does enter. He's bringing with him two smoothies. He basically says like, I don't know if you have time anymore now that you're like a big shot here at Oscorp to visit me at Joe's. So I brought Joe's to you, which is very sweet. Mm -hmm. Sort of establishes that they're very clearly with all of these revelations, like on better footing than they were before, because so much of what was causing discord between them was one Spider-Man not revealing himself to Harry and two Norman creating a false reality for Harry. So a lot of those obstacles out of the way. Hopefully this means they can just be friends, but we'll see. Mm-hmm. Hope so. I know, right? I really hope so. Like, I don't know if my heart can take much more. So they begin to talk. Harry explains, like, it's strange. I feel like I miss my dad a lot, but also I feel like I didn't ever actually know him. So it seems a little bit weird that I miss him. But also, like, as I'm trying to cope with this, everybody expects me to take over Norman's job, which I know that's a very... Harry Osborne, Norman Osborne thing, but I feel like it is always worth calling out that it is strange for them to expect like a 16, 15 year old to yeah. like take over the CEO position of like one of the largest companies in the planet. Does like, he like legally need to still be in school right now? Like, I don't. <laughs> I mean, he did go to a school that his dad created and his dad decided he was graduated. So, like, Oh, that's true. I don't know. Maybe they literally wrote, maybe they, I don't know how literal that was. Maybe he literally was like, he graduated early. (laughs) Yeah, I guess I I didn't take it literally at the time, but I guess he could. (laughs) I have no idea, but I I think we should all ask questions when we put a 16 year old in charge of Oscorp. Uh, Yeah, for sure. (laughs) But that's the reality. That's the reality we're living in now. So Peter's like, you know what? I get it. It's going to be tough. You've got a lot on your plate. But just be yourself. That's all anyone expects of you, which is a nice thing for Harry to hear after the yeah. years of uh, manipulation and actual gaslighting uh, that yeah. Norman uh, inflicted on him. Uh huh. Then after Peter leaves, Harry receives a notification on his desktop display, and it's of course from Norman. Why some won't kind of, you stay dead? No, I know, I know. <laughs> is he dead or is it like some kind of posthumous? No, I took it as just like a posthumous, yeah, like no, you I know, will thing in the event that I de- yeah. in the event of my death, kind of thing, right? Oh, I, I mean, even even if it's a posthumous thing, like just for the sake of Harry's peace, like just yeah, go away, be yeah, dead his, fully. <laughs> his message says, "Congratulations, Harry, you're finally in a position of power. You won't be in my shadow anymore, son. I know you'll do great things with the Osborne name, but to make sure, I've left you some things that might help. And of course, he looks in some, you know, some secret room behind a uh, behind a bookshelf that opens up and there's like a green color to it. So, okay. Cool, that's a good sign. <laughs> I have a question. Yeah. Well, I guess my first question is I know you watched ahead. Did you end with the end of the first season or have you watched even Yeah, I I haven't watched beyond okay. beyond this at all. I haven't either. Okay, what do you think Norman means? Like, is this a way of him furthering control over Harry beyond yeah, him dying? I think so. Like, is there so. some sort of ultimatum involved here? Um, somehow. I mean, well, because like Harry know, theoretically could just be like, "No thanks," but that wouldn't be right. very Norman Osborn like. Yeah, I well, I think the, I mean theoretically, logistically, he made this message before you know their final confrontation. So he probably made it under the guise that his everything was going right for his mm-hmm. his his grooming of Harry, essentially to be the, the 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 hobgoblin. So I think he just made that, assuming that he could die, at you know at some point in the near future, made that so then Harry would continue to have like 
even better equipment uh, that he had like stashed away for him once, you know, that he probably would have, if he, you know, if he continued to live, he would have given Harry that better equipment um, himself when he felt like Harry was ready for it. Right. Or something like that. Or when he was even better. And and then after he died, it's sort of like, well, now you can have at it. Um, But I think ultimately it is just to enact further control to be like, these are the great gifts that I left for you to continue the Osborne legacy as what I want you to be essentially. Here's what sticks with me. The specific wording of, but to make sure. Mm -hmm. And I just wonder like, is there something involved here? Because again, Harry, especially believing Norman is just dead, could just close that closet and be like, no, I'm not going to do this. But if Norman believed that there was some way of continuing to control Harry into being a goblin, I would love to know what that is. <laughs> what could that be? You know, I'm just wondering. And maybe yeah. maybe I'm looking too much into the wording, but um, I'm very curious to see where this will go. I, I, the reason I'm bringing it up is because this is the last we see of Harry in this episode and therefore the season. Yeah. Um, but it's certainly not the last we'll see of Harry in the series. So it's just For sure. it's fun to wonder, like, with Harry Osborn ending the season basically being a good guy explicitly, right? Like Mm -hmm. he chooses the side of Spider-Man. Absolutely. He chooses to reject Norman Osborn. Um, He only ever used, now that we know everything, only ever used the Hobgoblin equipment and powers for good Mm -hmm. um, as we measure it, right? Like what does that mean for Harry Osborn now that he believes Norman is dead? From his perspective, he can just move on. But I think there's always there could be that temptation to be like, well, my father left these things for me. Like, I don't know. It could be I, I truly based on absolutely nothing. I have no idea what's what's going to oh, happen yeah, yeah. further. Not but us <laughs> I mean, it could be like the Green Goblin gas or whatever that's going to give you superpowers. And it's sort of like, well, you know, I could still use my yeah. father's gifts that he left me. And then he takes it. And then that's you know going to cause issues with him, with his, and, you know, with him psychologically later or something like that. Right. We never got clarity on what... Like, we don't know that Harry's ever gone to the doctor yet, right? So, like, they kept referencing that Harry had experimented on himself and that there might be an issue. I think it's easy and likely to chalk some of that up to what Norman was deciding was the case, right? So it's possible, we don't know, though, it's possible that Norman was the one orchestrating Harry's blackouts or was doing something to Harry. But Mm -hmm. we also saw Harry blackout when Norman wasn't around, right? So, like... There's still some ambiguity there. It's possible, I suppose, that like that will play out in the second season and we will get a bit more of a conventional, I don't want this because I feel like we can do better than the split personality thing. Yeah. Um, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw something like that because it mm-hmm. is a classic goblin supervillain type situation. Yeah, so, for sure. Yeah, Just we'll wondering see. aloud. We'll see. Yeah, I truly have no idea. I, I didn't expect this to be where it ended, where the, where the oh. season ended with Harry. Me neither. If you had remember told how me we, through all how we, of this, Harry was going to turn out to be a good guy, I would have uh, right? laughed in your face. Remember how often that came up or was just like, well, we know how this is going to go, though, right? Like, we don't want I it know. to happen, but it's going to be another Eddie Brock situation. or another spectacular Eddie Brock we situation. We talked such a big fucking game. Yeah. We were so sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, mm. I honestly, I just I didn't think that they'd have the guts to do that kind of swing, actually, because yeah. that's a, such a major change to, you know, yeah. the Spider-Man mythos, right? Like no other version has just made Harry explicitly a good guy. So, yeah. And, you know, a lot of this is based on speculation. But if it is, in fact, like Shinnick's sort of vision 
that the first season is about the relationship between Harry and Peter and he is gone, there is a bit of a concern that it'll just sort of default back to something more conventional. Sure. Um, yeah, I don't know. But we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. I'm excited we'll see. to get there whenever we do. Mm-hmm. For sure. Good night, sweet prince. Oh. oh. Rest. You've had you've had a year, buddy. Ooh, you've had quite a year. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> Max Middleman, Middleman, here's your Emmy. Oh yeah, uh, I know, you're right? good. You're good, man. <laughs> uh, I mean, your paycheck. Uh, yeah. So we get we got one more little little scene to close out this season. It's another very full circle thing. Um, Aunt May and Peter are at Horizon High, marveling how an entire ye- school year has passed since Peter started there at Horizon. Uh, and she says that she and Uncle Ben are so proud of him. Aw. And uh, as they arrive at the front of Horizon, Max calls out to Peter, um, shares how like, he, you know, he's like, I want to tell you just how far you've come this year. And I'm like, how far has Peter come this year, though? I feel like he's well, not the one who had the big the, the growth this season. But, you know, <laughs> maybe if we saw more Max and the mentorship relationship, we would be able to buy that a little bit more easily. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, I'll pretend I agree because I like the yeah. stuff that's been coming before it. So, and I I want to end the season on a nice note. So, we're just yeah. gonna say, sure, Max. I'm yes. glad that you've this, seen Peter grow in your eyes. <laughs> this does feel more of a closer to the first half of the season yes. than the second half of the season. Absolutely. So, at least it connects to something. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, he he um. He's also like, hey, you know, my, uh, my 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 statue that's very important to me for some reason <laughs> might have gotten kind of fucked up, but it'll be good as new because they're repairing it because they had to come here anyway since they're already installing another statue as well, which is a statue of Spider-Man, Horizon's new unofficial mascot. Look, it's already bad enough that Spider-Man in any given iteration hangs out at peter parker's school far too much and too frequently Uh to build a statue out front is basically like begging supervillains to come attack you am i wrong i guess they figure (laughs) that supervillains attack horizon high all the time anyway so who cares at this point that's very fair (laughs) and true (laughs) yeah like why not why not just i don't know it's almost like a scarecrow just be like yeah y'all remember that every time you all attack the school spider-man shows up too right so like maybe just be reminded that spider-man will stop yeah you when it's you not a us. beacon so much as like the owl that you put on top of your building to keep <laughs> yeah. crows away you know or, exactly. or birds or whatever yeah yeah speaking of birds <laughs> speaking of birds yeah the speaking way of this full epi- circles <laughs> yeah 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 the way this episode ends P- peter is trying to take a picture of the spider-man statue but a pigeon lands right on it and he's like no shoo go away you're ruining the picture and max is like nah it's gonna take a lot more than a pigeon to tarnish spider-man Aww. Aww. And then as Peter takes the picture, he swipes away from it and we get one last glimpse glimpse of that silly little great power, great responsibility equation thing. <laughs> Remember that? You couldn't <laughs> let me forget. No, sorry. <laughs> the show didn't. Yeah, it's his, it's his phone background. Yeah. Yeah. Which is fair. It's sweet. Yeah. It's cute. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Less cute. The face of the episode is just the dopey Max Modell statue. <laughs> I if I can if I can find it. Wait, was this? Oh no, this was last episode. Damn, uh, I'll yeah. try to find it anyway. It is very funny. Last week when like 
his head actually comes off and there's like a shot of it just like laying on the ground. Oh before... no, it's, it's from this episode. That's from well, this episode. I thought it was when Ock picks it up and like smashes it in his, te- in his arms. That's in this episode. The, this the, episode. the statue is fully this episode. Yeah. It's only this episode. Oh yeah, that's right. Because it's the beginning of this episode is them pursuing. It feels Doc like Ock. it was a long time ago Holy because this episode shit. has been going on for a very, very, yeah, very long time. Right. This that's was right. one of our longest episodes in, a, oh in, in quite a while. I think. Holy shit! It, it certainly yeah. is. It yeah. certainly is. Yeah. Honestly, since we covered, I think maybe the Black Cat episode of this very series, Pro- potentially. Yeah. <laughs> Not cat. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, I think so. Yeah. Okay, so maybe I'll find it anyway. I think it was a very funny thing to see, like. Uh, Doc Ock holding Max Modell's uh, stone head in his uh, metal arms. Yeah. But yeah, that's it, man. What an interesting season of TV. Damn. Remember when neither one of us had watched this show and only knew of its reputation? Yeah. Only heard that it was just like the bad one that everyone hated and being like, it's probably not that bad, right? Honestly, wild. It is. I mean, I know you and I have talked probably more off the podcast than on the podcast, but I'm sure we've touched on it the the sort of like phenomenon of the newest thing is just the worst thing anyone's seen yeah um, it's sort of just like baked into nerd culture at least for any franchise that is, that's existed for many decades at a time but it is just wild to think that anybody watched the show and decided it was the worst version of spider-man because they didn't because they what did it I know. they didn't or they watched one episode and didn't like it and right then, yeah past yeah. judgment based on that it's just um, it it I, I know that there's yeah. there's always preference, there's always opinion, there's always the things you're looking for, but like damn, to call this the worst Spider-Man show just feels so well misinformed. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, covering again, covering the MTV show right before this, and that Holy has a pretty shit. positive reputation among uh-huh. a lot of people seem to think that that show is one of their favorites or they think it's really cool, and I'm like, have you watched it? recently because mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe I think not you might be remembering it cooler than it yeah. actually is I which think I, you thought i've the done CGI, with things before i think you liked the cgi like cool at the time yeah. i think you liked the house music and i think you liked that it was dark because yep. you hadn't seen that on tv in 2003 but yep. um yeah no the uh, i i truly it's it's yeah the reputation of this show it, it's it's such a bummer that people have just such a wrong-headed approach to it. Yeah. Um, At least based on this first season. I mean, I don't know if things absolutely tank after this, but no, I'd be surprised I don't think if they so. did. Because I think all the complaints people have are just like they think it like the 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 designs and or animation look bad, and they think it's stupid or something. Like I, it's I don't think any of the complaints are ever nuanced. You know, right? And we've acknowledged all those things, right? Yeah. Like we've acknowledged the fact that it's generally pretty generic in the way it's designed. Yeah, it uses like pretty safe models and stuff, but still are walking away from the season, yeah. talking it up. You know, because that's yeah. not what makes the show good or bad. Yeah, I think the show's doing some some things that no other Spider-Man show has ever done before. That is objectively true. Yeah, yeah, and I think that alone, I think like it deserves a lot of credit for the the swings that it takes in terms mm-hmm. of including the Spider People that it does, and especially the Peter Harry stuff. Yeah, yeah, I say bravo on on this season of uh, television, guys. Mm-hmm. I mean, we we had plenty of things that we uh, we thought could use some tightening oh yeah a lot but, of, I had a lot of, a lot of problems with uh-huh. the season it's a flawed season of tv like 100 percent um but it but is a cohesive coherent season of television with a perspective and a point of view yeah uh, that does things like you said that no other show we've covered has done yet so absolutely absolutely that's the the baseline of what i'm hoping for anytime we get a show like this yeah yeah i agree i agree i had fun 
Yeah, me too. And we talked for over two and a half hours about this. So if arguably too long, (laughs) if for some reason you want to hear us talk even more, um, (laughs) you can do that over on Patreon dot com slash walloping web snappers. Of course, you don't have to immediately roll into that. So if you just want more content at your disposal, I would still recommend checking that out. There is lots on there. Most of it is available at just $1. And uh, at any tier, you can make us say things. You can play our walloping word snappers game uh, where you can essentially (laughs) control what we say. You can puppet us um, into saying things on the show. So check that out. See if there's something there for you. Um, And check out our Discord. There should be a link in the show notes. But if for some reason you can't get into it, just let us know and we will make sure that you do. Uh, If you'd like to find Derek or me, you can do so all over the place. Derek, where can people find you and the stuff you are working on? Sure. You can find me on Twitter at Derek B. Gale. You can also find my podcast Gimmicks, which looks at the high concept, experimental, structure breaking, gimmicky episodes of television uh, with a new show and new guest every week. And you can find that anywhere you get your podcasts or on Twitter and Instagram at Gimmicks Pod. And I will also plug... Uh, if you're listening to this, like the the day or week that it comes out later this week and into next week, I am going to be at Dragon Con in oh, Atlanta. Hey. So if you're, you know, if you're there, uh, try to find me and hit me up. I'd love to meet people. Who, I'd love to meet listeners for one. I unconfirmed, which is wild because the con is very quickly approaching. <laughs> unconfirmed, I might be on a panel where I specifically am talking about the Spider-Woman episode we love so much with tiny guy inside a regular side guy. Um, I hope that happens so bad. I want that to happen for you. Yeah. So bad. So I can't tell you, you know, when or where it's happening because I'm not 100% sure that it is, but if it is, I'll be there. Fine. I'll, I will mention it on my Twitter feed. Um, so, you know, follow me, uh, there on Twitter at Derek B. Gale, or I guess on my Instagram or something too, but definitely my Twitter feed. Um, and, and follow me for what I'm doing at the con. Cause I might be doing Spider-Man related stuff. We'll oh, see. So great. What about you, Doug? You can find me on Twitter at IckyBooley, I-C-K-Y-B-O-O-L-E-Y. If you like books and video games, you can check me out on Novel Gaming, a podcast I do with my friends Vicky and Katie, where we check in on all the books, video games, and pop culture we've been consuming lately. And if you like Pokemon, you can listen to me on another podcast here on the 4-Eyed Radio Network called Victory Road, uh, which is a Pokemon podcast where I get together with friends to talk about the big happenings in the world of Pokemon as they happen also, please check out our monthly podcast, Falling with Style, an ongoing Pixar movie marathon, if that sounds like something you'd be into. Uh, we are watching every Pixar film chronologically, and our episode on Soul is out now, wherever you get your podcast. And that is a really great episode. It's the kind of conversation that could have, and I almost wish had just gone on for like many more hours because it was that good. It yeah. doesn't, so don't worry. It's not like a behemoth of an episode. But not like a this very one. Good, <laughs> not like this one, but it is a very good episode, so check that out if you like Pixar stuff. Also, visit us on our website at wallopingwebsnappers.com and follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at wallopingwebpod. Feel free to email us at wallopingwebsnapperspodcast at gmail.com. And please rate, review, and subscribe on all podcast platforms. Uh, Because if you like what we're doing here, somebody else will too, and they just haven't heard of us yet. Next week, we're releasing a special compilation of Patreon episodes that have never been released on the main feed before, exploring some classic Spidey comics, some of which we actually referenced in this very episode. So, Oh, I think we did. Yeah, we totally did. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so if funny. you like Spidey comics or if you need an excuse to go back and read some classic ones, this is the perfect opportunity uh, and we will talk all about them. Yeah. See you then. See ya.
before we go further, I'm about to pee myself. I, I have to do that too. I'm glad we're in the same <laughs> window. <laughs>